This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always... King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? So uh, somebody is selling our merch on the Red Bubble. They are. They are. Yeah, it's not us. Is uh, this how you're going to Iceland all the time? Or? <laughs> My underground Red Bubble logo t-shirt sales? Yes. Yes. Uh, all the time. I went once. <laughs> once, sir. But yeah, no, that's, uh, I don't know who's doing that, but uh, they might be listening. And um we know we're either A, coming for you, or B, we're coming for all the money that you made. So let's, uh, well, I imagine millions of dollars at this point, right? Because, I mean, you, I don't know about you, Joe, but I can't go to a wrestling show without being, you know, without seeing our T-shirt everywhere. And it's like, who's making these T-shirts? And, and, and now I finally have, have figured out where they're coming from. So that's good to know. I mean, why us? Why are they doing this? I don't know. It's back in 2015, it looks like they started, which is not, it's not us. I promise it's not us. The, the best way I could tell uh, that it's not us is the uh, the user profile has a picture of Tetsuya Naito sitting in a chair holding his hat, his LIJ. You know, he, he is officially, an, you know, at this point, an LIJ member. So he's like sitting in a chair, cross-legged, wearing his, you know, LIJ hat or whatever. And that's the profile picture. And that's like a dead giveaway. Because like, if if I were to set this thing up, like... A, I'm going to use our logo because I'm a very I'm a professional man. And B, like if I was going to use a wrestler, any wrestler that's ever wrestled, it's probably not going to be Lij era Tetsuya Naito. I'm I'm just saying, like there's I have nothing against Naito. You have nothing against Naito. You know, we have nothing against Naito, but it's it's probably not the guy that we would be picking to represent our brand on Redbubble. So pretty indifferent towards Naito, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's just just a guy to me. Um. 2015 they've been selling these? That's what I really I really would love to know how much money. <laughs> Hopefully none. Hopefully they've made no money, but um I mean we need to shut this down. Oh we, right? we yeah, yeah, that'll happen. And everyone needs to know that they need to not buy this this t shirt. And hopefully nobody has bought this t shirt. Because I didn't get any money from this t shirt. Hell no. It's putting no food on my table, uh, Rich. This t shirt on Red Bubble. Where um, Redbubble doesn't seem to screen anyone. They're always people are always getting in trouble on this site for uh, selling shit that they that they should not be selling. Um, so they need to do a better job. There was that artist on Twitter who did something with Jushin Thunder Liger many years ago, which we talked about on this show, but you don't seem to remember any of it because we were talking about it before. Um, and that got pulled down. I don't think by New Japan. I think by whoever holds the Jushin Thunder Liger trademark for like right, the original right, yeah, yeah. character or whatever. 
and maybe they license that to New Japan. I don't know how it worked, but somebody put in a claim and shut that person down. And I remember that being a real big thing on Twitter and everyone being very supportive of um, that particular artist or whatnot. Because, you know, every 20-year-old on Twitter thinks they're a communist and they're part of a revolution. So, you know, fuck trademarks and fuck all this. But we do live in a society, Rich. And you can't just go around stealing people's trademarks and, uh, you know, selling Voices of Wrestling t-shirts when you are not Voices of Wrestling. So... We do need to shut this down. We do. Yeah, I almost had an aneurysm because uh, I, I looked and it said, uh, read all 150 reviews of this logo T-shirt. I was like, what? what? Hold on a minute. No. As I figured it out, they, what, what Redbubble is doing is they're just collecting all um, all their T-shirt reviews are just being put in the same bubble here. Oh. So any anybody that bought a T-shirt and reviewed it is is in here because, yeah, I don't uh, – unless this person has sold what appears to be 37 T-shirts – uh, this year alone, which uh, <laughs> would be interesting as well. But some of the comments lead me to believe that these are probably not. Um, uh, I bought this T-shirt for my gym instructor, and he loved it. Love it. <laughs> Purchased for my daughter. Pleased with the quality of the fabric and the design was just as I wanted. How do you know these are? I mean, it's true. Like you're, you're, right. you're right. I shouldn't. I shouldn't assume. <laughs> Should assume. Uh, ordered an XL slim fit shirt, which is too small. Then issued another one, supposedly slim fit in double XL. I mean, okay, <laughs> slim fit double XL. I mean, whatever. Uh, and I could have fit my whole family in it. Very disappointed, but the print was great. Ah, oh, well. So that's from Karen. Wait, wait a minute, sir. Slim fit double XL. How is that even a thing? <laughs> yeah, you gotta ask. You gotta ask Karen, who reviewed our T-shirt on January first, two thousand twenty. So that's like going into a McDonald's and being like, ah, I want a, uh, I want a small, extra large French fry. Yeah. Like you can't. Georgia how do you have? F. Georgia F, December twenty, uh, December fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. A uh, good quality T-shirt. Cannot wait for relative to open it on Christmas Day. So, somebody, Joe, <laughs> had a fantastic Christmas as they opened and got a generic T-shirt with their generic logo on it. No, these are definitely um, just like cobbled together from. I assume I, I, if they're not cobbled together, man, we are really missing out on a lot of money here. <laughs> if these if these are to be believed, but uh, yeah. yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, this needs to be shut down immediately. I don't, you know, this is ridiculous. Um, and if they've sold that many, we need to immediately put something up uh, to replace this uh, nefarious actor who's been selling these T-shirts since 2015. I mean, if they've sold, what did you say, uh, 150 I, shirts? I, yeah, I really don't think that, that that's occurred. But yes, that would even be a run around there, so. Are they selling other items? Are they selling? Uh, they're like- not, but it appears like you can put our logo on uh, any number of things as well if you want to put it on a poster or whatnot. But uh, officially, they're only selling the logo T-shirt. So, well, if they want to pay the taxes on the Patreon earnings this year, <laughs> maybe that'll be a good compromise. Yeah, they could be more. You know, I'll be more than happy to pass that along. The way yeah, that's, that's I think that's a good way to kind of. Yeah, here you go. You take this. And we'll take- yeah, you want all of it? You want you want this brand, buddy? Is that what you really want? Then you can pay my taxes. Right. How about that? Ridiculous. It's a, it's flattering in a way that someone chose to uh, steal our logo. Oh man, is this me? Hold on, <laughs> maybe I did sign up for this. Wait a minute. Have we uncovered the? Uh... I think we may. Have. Uh, I do find, uh, unless this, well, I don't know. Maybe they just used a random email. I'll, have to, I'll dig in a little bit deeper here, but it says, uh, Voices Wrestling, welcome to Redbubble on September 2015. So maybe it Wait was. a minute, you set it up. I, I, we haven't sold anything as far as I know. What a so. turn. 
Why would I use a Naito? What was I like a? I'll have to go back and listen to the shows around this time. Was I like a huge Naito fan for some reason? So wait, so seriously, you did this? Like you're not doing a bit? I guess so. I don't know. I can't tell. See, it's an automated email, so I don't know if somebody used my email address to sign up for it, and like I got it, or it was me because I have no recollection of doing this whatsoever. It was September 2015, so who knows? It was you know wild times, but. Um, All right, yeah. so hold on a minute. So <laughs> now I don't know. We've uncovered it. This was not an elaborate setup with this being the punchline. You, you, no, I'm, I'm legitimately just... finding it out is because as I was looking, I was like, well, let me just see if like I have an email from them around this time. But, uh, all right, so it says that I have a, I'll see, I'll, I'll, I'll do a lost password thing here, but I don't, I don't know. Not looking good. <laughs> it doesn't have my normal passwords are not working, so we'll, we'll find out though. Can you log in? That's what I'm going to try. I'm trying to do that, too, to see. Um, yeah, this is thrilling radio. <laughs> I guess it's, thr- it's semi-thrilling radio because we've uncovered a mystery that is just my stupidity. So, um, Are you? Are, are we going to unlock thousands of dollars in revenue? God, I hope so, home? Joe. God, I hope so. Let's see. <laughs> Any moment now. So, all right. So I, I did a forgot password, but I've not gotten it yet. So maybe we can update as the show goes on and... Uh, We'll let you know if we're quitting our jobs because we made so much money selling our generic logo uh, T-shirts. Well, if uh, they use your email and you received email, then you should get the forgotten password. Email. I think, yeah, I would think so, but yeah, it's not uh, not showing up. So, hmm. well, this is bizarre. This is very bizarre. Anyway, <laughs> I will keep you updated uh, as we as we go on here, Joe. I do want to let you know um, one thing that I'm missing to do this show. So, NBA All Star Weekend is in Chicago this weekend. And uh, I'm not going to any of the events because they're like $1,000 a piece to go to like the dunk contest. And I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't have that money. So I might have actually, you know, that's what I got to find out. I might be able to go to the dunk contest. Let me keep refreshing this here a little bit. But uh, anyway, I can't do that. But I, I, I am missing. Uh, and Joe, this is right up your alley, too, because you actually uh, semi close personal friend. No, 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 never mind. This isn't the guy you were a close personal friend with of the Wu-Tang Clan. But, but one that you, you, you do know your members of the Wu-Tang Clan. But anyway, there is a, uh, a concert going on right now. It's called the Hip Hop Kickback Concert going on right now as, as we're recording this and i really did debate telling you joe hey sorry I, this is a once in a lifetime thing i can't miss this uh but you got rakim raekwon no you do know Ray, raekwon's your guy right raekwon the chef yeah raekwon's there so that, that's your boy it's the one that i am adjacent to right. correct he's your buddy raekwon the chef uh ghostface killer you, you you do not know uh, uh the ghostface no. killer right now okay slick rick is there too so big daddy kane Talu Kwali, that's a hell of a concert. I'm missing that for this. So. I mean, you could use your T-shirt money. To, <laughs> I'm trying to, well, it's, it's going on like right now as we speak. So I, I, uh, I don't know if I can, I can ditch you just yet. So, is this some kind of guilt trip? I mean, yeah, kind of, yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's a guilt trip to the listeners. Like you guys have forced me to not be able to go to the uh, the hip uh, hip hop kickback concert um, to go see Joe's close personal <laughs> friend Rick on the chef. So that's... Yeah. Uh, nothing yet from uh, old Redbubble, but uh, I will keep refreshing. Let's see, it says, it says they sent me an email yet, but it says it says sometimes it takes a few minutes. So we'll see. Um, don't want that money now, anyway. I can't. But what a turn that took! You <laughs> so sorry. I don't know though. I don't know. I'm still not sure. Why would I use a Naito? That that's the part that I would. I don't know that I would have ever used a Naito thing, unless I was just like setting the account up as quick as possible, and I just went with like the first picture that was in my. You know what I mean? Like they, it was like, hey, upload a picture, and I was like, ah, here's the first picture I have. And it was that one, but even then, I, I I'm I'm not sloppy like that. I, I, I you know, I'm a professional, like I said. So I'm I'm a little, a little worried about this. I don't know. <sighs> Unbelievable. <laughs> if, we, if we're making millions, I will let you know as soon as I can. So. 
All right, but we have plenty of wrestling to get to uh, today. But before we do that, though, Joe, I do want to let you know this is an ad-free show. No ads coming up. Uh, but we're going to sprinkle in a little little plug here for the Patreon here. Uh, VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, Joe, what do you get for the low, low price of $5? Everything we do. Unbelievable. Every single thing we do behind the paywall is unlocked for just $5 a month, which is insane because we're very stupid because that's uh, very cheap. And we are clearly not getting um, uh, the the amount of money of which we work for. But uh, listen, we're nice guys. So $5 unlocks every single thing ever done behind the paywall, and uh, which will be done for the uh, short-term future. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some great stuff on there. The, uh, the, the weekly TV reviews that you did that dropped uh, as we're recording this just dropped a few uh, minutes prior to that uh you do your uh, news updates you did what two this week i believe uh, already in terms of news updates because the world of wrestling is just fucking insane and there's always uh big time news and you're always there to break it down and give some dulcet tones of Valenza as well uh i'm uh, starting the uh super brawl tell all series where i go back and watch a few of the uh, old uh super brawl events i started with super brawl one which should be up uh, pretty much uh, pretty soon uh by the time most of you guys are listening to this which is a really really exciting and interesting show too because you have the uh tatsumi fujinami rick flair title switch title change kind of not really thing so there's a lot of story in that so we kind of dive into that we do that but like you said more than anything you can go back and listen to every single thing we've done over the last what two plus years now uh, on patreon every other series that we've done every q we've done everything we've done uh is unlocked for you at just five dollars so not a bad value at all patreon.com uh slash voice of wrestling voice of wrestling.com slash patreon uh to do that to unlock everything and joe to remember how could i forget joe to remember of course the the biggest draw of them all so what when when are we due for a new uh joe uh maybe tomorrow interesting oh there we go look at a little no promises no little promises yeah, you but, know, hey. uh, well it's a big one because um we're to the point where they are taping in the ecw arena for the first time so I need to, uh, you know, I want to put together something. I don't just want to blow, blow through that. I right. Want that's a historic, that. you know, monumental. So was it always, so the first day they ran it, what is it called? It's just a TV taping. Okay. But no, I mean like, what, what is the arena called? Like, like on this show, what do they call that arena? Oh, at that point, it's probably Viking Hall. Okay. So, uh, so that's, that is the same. I, I was never sure Viking Hall and, and ECW arena were the same thing, but they are. At that point in 1993, I'm almost positive it was. Uh, it went through a bunch of different name changes, mm-hmm. but at that point in '93, it was uh, it was Viking Hall. Uh, as you can see, I didn't uh, complete the research yet, which is why I need to. Uh, yeah, it was Viking Hall from '86 to '03, and then you know you got the Alhambra Arena, the new Alhambra Arena, the Arena, the Asylum Arena, and so on and so forth. Uh, as far now, of course, the 2300, yeah, 2300 yeah. which, which is the address. The Alhambra, uh, the new Alhambra arena was, uh, that's because there was a, uh, you know, remember for a while there after ECW closed down and, and sort of the wrestling uh, uh, winded down in the building, there was a lot of boxing in the building. Yeah, there, right, right, right. There was an old building in Philly called the uh, Alhambra arena back in the 20s and 30s where, where a lot of boxing took place. So uh, when, when, you know the the new owners took over and want to do a lot of boxing. They called this the new Alhambra. That's where I got that name of the new Alhambra Arena. But that was sort of in the neck. That was long after ECW, though. That was probably three four years after ECW closed. Mm-hmm. But um, and then remember a few years ago, a few probably about seven eight years now, um, it was going to shut down entirely. Remember, Gabe Sapolsky ran it. Oh, <laughs> how could you forget? Yeah, that the final angle, the, the final, final angle in the arena. Remember, remember the outrage. 
the fucking internet outrage at the time, which was probably probably just message boards at that point. I don't think we even had Twitter, or even if we had Twitter, nobody even cared. But yeah, the fucking message board outrage at the final angle, the way that they closed down the ECW arena. What was it, Sammy Callahan attacking Sabu or something like that? It's a beer bottle or something yeah. like that. Getting heat, getting deal. heat, <laughs> like old school heat. <laughs> which people thought at the time was the final wrestling show ever in the building, but those new owners um, ended up not paying, uh, they, they couldn't pay the note or something, and they ended up uh, losing the building, and then obviously there's been a ton of wrestling there since, but um, that was a big story at the time when people thought there'd be no more wrestling mm-hmm. there, but yeah, we're at the point in November where, I don't know what episode number it is, but the, the next show will cover either all or part of the very first TV tapings ever. It'll be November to remember 10 in the, uh, in the ECW arena. Perfect. So yeah. What a, what a, what a, yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be one to listen to for sure. I know you're, yeah, you can't rush perfection like that. So that's why, you know, I, we, we get people all the time. They're like, when is a new, when is a new episode? No one is a new episode. It's like you, you go, if people don't know what that is, it's not necessarily just Joe, you know, lazily watching an episode of hardcore TV and being like, yeah, here's what happened. And that's what happened. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. Like you go deep, you do big deep dives. You try to talk to people that were there at the time. Like the, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And there's a lot of work. That's, that's a good thing. I think about a lot of our patrons is not, not a whole lot of it. It's just kind of thrown together, slapped on, and hey, we hit record, we just talk, and and there you go. I mean, when you're getting five dollars, you're getting a lot of work. Like, you know, I know I've been like digging into the Super Bowl stuff and going deep and looking at old observers and old torches and and old ratings at the time and a bunch of different stuff. So yeah, that's 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 what we do here uh, with, with those. That the the TV reviews are yeah, they're not lazy either. You know, the the news updates they're not lazy. You get a lot for five dollars. So <laughs> yeah, the the November to remember I'm, I mean I do I review every match but it's not about the match reviews I mean that's secondary it's um you know like you said I I I, I try to reach out and contact people which is really hard because we're talking about 25 you know almost 30 years ago and a lot of these people aren't even in wrestling anymore but it, it's more about history and telling backstories and and trying to describe uh what it was like at the time and then yeah I do review the matches but that's um Definitely not the primary uh, uh, purpose of of the show, and I do take my time. And I know people get a little frustrated because they don't. I don't pump them out at a rapid pace, but um, you know, it, it. This is a. It's a passion project, and it's also a project where I'm not in any kind of rush at all. I I know it's going to take years, and I'm okay with that. And I want to do them right, and I want to comb through every detail, and even with some of the the shows that I finished, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the spring of 93 now. Uh, you know, I'm still going back and, and, and researching stuff from some of the shows I've already done. So there's always a possibility that I will do, uh, you know, like addendum shows and stuff. If I learn more information, right. right. So, um, that, that's why they take so long. It's not because I'm not, I'm constantly working on them. It's just, and I've got Andrew Rich working on stuff all the time too. We've got, I don't want to give it away, but we're working on something uh, for when, you know, one of the, uh, for people that have been listening to it, one of the the cult figures of the early days who who has kind of become sort of the mascot of Jovember to remember, when he finally has his final appearance, uh, you know, me and Andrew Rich have something up our sleeve for that show. So let well, me just Stevie, put it For way. Stevie Wonderful, correct? I will not confirm or deny whether it's Stevie. <laughs> it's it's a it's it's it is one of the cult figures that I will not confirm. Yeah, all right, or deny all right, that's fine. Yeah, yeah that's fine. whether it's Stevie Wonderful could but, be Don Morocco. Uh, you don't know. Yeah, it could be Don Morocco. Th- this person's time is coming up soon. <laughs> 
and, and he will not be around much longer, unfortunately, because I've really taken a liking to this guy. But uh, but we've got something planned for that. So he's always working on stuff for me. And um, yeah, that that's why it's kind of a slower pace. It's, you know, sometimes there'll be one of them per week. Other times, you know, it'll be more spread out. It all depends, um, you know, uh, how long it takes to do the research and put together a good show. But a lot of stuff behind the paywall. Jovember, all of Rich's stuff that he does seasonally. He's going to be doing the Super Brawl now. The good thing is everything aside from the news updates is pretty much evergreen. So if you subscribe, you're not just subscribing for the stuff that we're going to do. It unlocks everything. So you can go back and listen to all those Observer Hall of Fame shows and all of Rich's uh, Rumble stuff and Wrestle Kingdom uh, yeah, th- stuff. This time of year, this time of year is a great one to do. Uh, Death's Door is what I did last year, uh, which I was going. I was going week by week through the final weeks of uh, WCW as it's you know marching towards death or whatever. And you can you can follow it week by week too. And and like you said, it's completely evergreen. Like nothing yeah. that I talk about. I'm, I'm sure maybe I drop like one reference to 2019 in it, but mostly we're just like we're living in 2001 at that point. So you can listen to it in any year or whatever and kind of follow along as as WCW does their very slow crawl towards death. Uh, uh, in, 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 you know, the, the spring of 2001. So, yeah, really, really fun stuff. Yeah, and, and the Jovembers, too. I mean, they're designed to be listened to for years. Just They're just a history of of the company. So, And now there's two years' worth of G1 reviews behind the paywall. You know, you want to go back and if you're watching the old G1 shows or you just want to go, you know, relive the 2018 G1 or something, there's two years' worth of G1 reviews on there. There's uh, just a ton of stuff, and... I'd say a, a real good deal of it is is totally evergreen. So uh, you get that when you subscribe to you go back in those archives, and um, and and I mean if you're a total maniac, you can listen to old news updates. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but uh, you know it, it unlocks all of it. Plus the written stuff. There's written reviews yep. too, which that never uh, is dated or or you know you could you know uh, go back and, and read that stuff. I haven't done one in a while, but I, you know I was doing about one a week for a while there and there'll be more of that too um where i'll do some more written reviews of of stuff i'm watching on youtube and stuff we just stuff we don't get to on this show you know we get to a lot of stuff here but you know you can't get to it all so a lot of stuff we don't cover here um ends up behind the paywall not just historical stuff but you know match reviews of indie matches and and uh and other stuff that we just don't talk about on the flagship so um five dollars is an absurd price um, there's also a $2 tier and a $1 tier. You can get details on what each of the tiers get you. Um, if you check out the Patreon page, just go to patreon.com slash voice of wrestling or go to Patreon and search voice of wrestling, whatever, and, uh, and see what you get. And we also may as well plug the fucking red bubble t-shirts since apparently, uh, uh <laughs> With no update. I have not gotten the email from them yet. So I'm starting to get a little more suspicious about the, uh, uh, the red bubble. If if it is indeed my email address that was theirs, I I don't know. It, it's it's now a question. I I I sent away for this password. You know what? Twenty twenty five minutes ago or so. Still haven't gotten it. So I don't know. I mean, if you're not sure, you may as well contact them and shut it down. Even yeah, if you're shutting absolutely. yourself down because we're not getting out. We have not received <laughs> right, yeah, any unless Rich is cooking the books. Look. I mean, you know, <laughs> we'll talk out. We'll talk off air. Yeah. <laughs> you want to cut? Out of vacations. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, exactly. Turns out, Joe, I am actually going to the dunk contest tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, in a, in, a, in a random switch, I am now indeed actually can afford dunk contest tickets. For completely unrelated to the Redbubble store uh, whatsoever, too. So interesting how that works. Have you tapped out on the dunk contest? Or are you still into it? I'm still into the dunk contest, yeah. Yeah, I tapped out. Well, 
I don't know. This is 1988. Probably. I'm going to give you this specific. Harold Miner. Was it Harold Miner? I can give you the dunk. Okay. Oh, oh, you can give me the dunk down to the dunk. I can give you the specific dunk where I, I did the old double Randy Orton, double hand wave and said, this is no longer for me. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. Cedric Sabalos with the blindfold. <laughs> 19. What is that? 94. I think, right? Somewhere around I there, think, yeah. I think it's 94. He was a son. I don't think was he. A, he was a son. He was not a lady. son. Yeah, he, he was a son at that time. Yeah. So that had to be 93 or 94, somewhere in that neighborhood, somewhere between 92. I watched a lot of dunk contests. I believe it was no 92, 92, 92. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that that was at 1992 is when you decided I'm done with this year before Barkley got there. So you never. So I I I dropped a Harold Miner reference on you, and you never saw Harold Miner in the dunk contest. You don't even know, you know. Nah, I double hand waved the blindfold. I said. <laughs> The blindfold is is utter shit because it's like obvious. It's you know. He clearly could see number one, and number two. You know how I am with gimmicks. It's too gimmicky. Once they started doing Chikara dunks, I had no use for it. And after that, it just it opened up the floodgates. You got guys jumping over our teammates. You got guys jumping over inanimate objects. You got fucking uh, uh, mascots in the mix. Rich, I got no use for it. <laughs> and, and then you got the, it's a dunk. Who gives a shit? It's a dunk got, contest. I got a use for it. I liked when the dunk contest had some standards and had some, uh, you know, and, 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 and there was some legitimacy. Listen to you. Listen to I don't like you. this. Now you got these legends at the tip. You got fucking, it's always the same. It's Kenny the Jet Smith and fucking, it used to be Dr. J. And no matter what these guys do, they're holding up the fucking nines and the tens. You're telling me there's never a dunk that's a four? I mean, come on. Everything's a fucking nine or a ten. Really? I mean, I, I liked when the dunk contest – now, I, I say that, but they were always bullshit because Jordan did that free throw dunk. Wasn't that like the third time he did that dunk? It was, why yes. Just, yeah, actually, uh, by the way, Joe, if you'd like, uh, at Over and Back NBA, Over and Back Podcast, uh, we did an episode this week about the 1988 slam dunk contest. Now, Dominique was robbed. Robbed. I yes, tell you. robbed. So even you go all the way back to 88 in the dunk contest. Yeah, so that's, I thought that's the one you hand waved when you were like, well, Nick's got this one in the back. And then, you know, they give yeah. a 50 to Jordan for his, you know, second free throw line dunk of the night, his third all time. And I thought that was when you would have thrown in the towel. But no, you, you stayed strong until 92. Until Dominique clearly was the better dunker that night. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, for sure. There's no question, you know. And, um, you know, you're giving Spud Webb bonus points for being short. It was always a sham, okay? <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the problem was you and not the dunk contest. Oh, listen, just because I take the dunk seriously and nobody else does. I mean, I, I'm sitting there rubbing my chin, scoring them. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a seven. You know, these, <laughs> right. they're just throwing up tens for everybody. Maybe, you might have to go all the way back to, like, Larry Nance. What year was that? Uh, one? 84, oh, right. 84, 84. And then they stopped it for a while, right? Didn't well, they so not they did, they did the, the ABA one. Uh, was in 76, I want to say, was the ABA one. And that's obviously Dr. J going from the free throw line or whatever. Right, right. And then it went away until the NBA brought it back. Like they did, they did a year long dunk contest thing where essentially they like picked a bunch of players. And then if those players played each other in the regular season at halftime, they would have a dunk contest. That's awesome. But you get like it wasn't very because like nobody cared like like you had like because they tried to put like stars in it so you had like Kareem Abdul Jabbar being like do I really have to do this and they're like yeah and he's like all right so he just like you know throws it in there and it's like all right I lost okay cool like you know he just it, it's so, on paper it sounds cool it was not cool it actually did not work at, at all well, so well, it went dunks, away the dunks also weren't super creative exactly right right so maybe at the time it's like whoa reverse dunk wow <laughs> like yeah you know but yeah it's like the, we don't even know the full Tomahawk. list of guys yeah, that were even in it or whatever it, it nobody it's like halftime these guys want to rest and you know drink some yeah. water or whatever and they got to go out there and fucking do some dunks or whatever the crowd doesn't care it, yeah that's a, so they, that went away 
and then they got brought back fully in 1984. And then, then actually, Joe, everybody was on your side. After 97, it went away for two years. Uh, yeah. So Vince Carter came back. Have you, have you ever seen the Vince Carter 2000 dunk contest? Yeah, I, I have opinions that I'm not going to share. I just, Interesting. I mean, oh, get out of here. You're it's so overrated as a sport. Oh, you're a moron. It's, it's a dunk contest. How influential of a sports moment can it be? Oh, it's you're out of here. Oh, yeah, we've had this argument. Yeah, you're out of here. had this argument. This. Yeah, oh, my God. You're getting me all riled up again. So. To me, it's just like I'm about the games, man. I, 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 I got no use for it. When it got too gimmicky, I stopped having a That's use. Right. Have you ever watched the 2016 dunk contest? Not a shit. 2016. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm not going to tell you. Just try it. Try it. Like on YouTube, you can find a clip that has every. Richard Basket jumping over cars and shit because I can't. Um, I what about jumping over mascots? Does that count? See, that's the thing. I can't. but it's not. But they're they're they do it in a very interesting. I I agree with you in a way, but I think you should go watch the 2016 one at some point. You know, I'm grumpy. I, I know you're know, grumpy. It, okay, I'm just like 20 minutes out of your life. Tops 25 okay. minutes. Watch the 2016 dunk contest and come back if it's if you sucked and you hate it and and that's fine. But I just think that is one that I do think you need to watch. I think, see, in all seriousness, it reaches a point where in the early days there was so little creativity, right? And it was kind of those are boring from that aspect if you go back and try to watch them, right? Because everything we've seen since then it kind of peaked where it's like you had good creativity, but they were still non gimmicky. And then it's like, you have to keep raising the bar. I understand that. Right. You can't keep going out there doing windmill dunks. It's not going to work. So I understand. I get it that you have to keep raising the bar. So you get two balls in the mix. You get your teammates in the mix. You're blowing out fucking candles on the backboard, whatever the fuck. I understand that. But it reaches a point where it does jump the shark. You know I what I No, I, I, I agree. And there, there was a time, too, in like the mid-2000s, like during the Nate, like you didn't watch him, obviously, but there was like Nate Robinson would just do like the same Spud Web things and Blake Griffin was yeah. jumping over cars and Dwight Howard's dunking on like, you know, with a Superman costume on or whatever. It, it, oh, it reached so a year. No, I, I agree. It was like, this sucks. This is awful. There was one year they did like a, a battle round and there were teams. It was awful. It's it a terrible, terrible one. But I'm t- the 2016 one, I think everybody will agree. 2000, which you think is overrated, whatever. 88 and 2016 are the ones that everybody regards as the best. So I, I do. Let me clarify. Overrated as an overall sports moment. If you want to say the Carter stuff and the pantheon of dunk content, I'm right with you. Right. But you don't that think is, it's like an all-time great sports moment. Like yes. That's where. Yeah, right, right. right. I want to clarify because if you're, if you're lining it up with other dunk contests, oh yeah, that's right at the top. That was a, that's a famous one that, you know, a lot of years the dunk contest comes and goes and you don't even know who was, who won the fucking thing. You know, but that one, I agree. That was a, that one was, became part of the culture at that point in time. There's no question. Right. But I, I, where I stop short is calling it like, I mean, I'm, I am never going to go. Babe Ruth calls his shot, uh, <laughs> you know, fucking ice bowl. And, and then Vince Carter wins the dunk contest. I'm sorry. I got that. I have to yeah, draw Joe a line. And then Vince Carter does a reverse windmill. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't. That's where, that's where Joe Lanza draws the line. Yeah, Walk but, off world series winning home run. And then Vince yeah, Carter Joe does. Carter against the Phillies, <laughs> right. uh, you know, Jordan against Utah, uh, you know, with the, you know, and then Vince Carter dunks a ball. No, I can't. That's, that to me, that's taking it too far. That's you know, fair. Chris, that's fair. Christian Leitner, the fallaway jumper against UConn. Okay, these are great sports moments. Uh, you know, uh, Buster Douglas upset Mike Tyson. Whatever. You know, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston, the famous picture. You, you can't put Vince Carter in that pantheon. That's all I'm saying. 
dunk contest pantheon, no question about it. Especially your someone of your age, early to mid thirties, that's your fucking lane. Oh, because for sure. you were yeah. you were probably twelve years old or whatever the fuck when when that happened. Yeah, and he's that's, still it, he's still my favorite player of all time because of that. <laughs> because that's of that dunk night. contest yeah. age. I mean, yeah. that's when you're twelve years old. The dunk contest is the fucking shit to you. That is fucking. That's as big as the fucking Super Bowl or the World Series and the NBA Finals. It's like you've built your life when you're 12 years old around I'm going to be home and in the house when the dunk contest is on. You know what I mean? You're not, you know, that that's you're there for that. So I understand that. I get it from that perspective. Uh, anyway, I do. I do want you to check out the 2016 one. Okay, can, can you do that for me? Can you promise? All right, all right. I'll send you a link. It's 25 minutes, and and if you think it sucks, that's fine. I get it. It's it's Who's not as gimmicky as you think. It's uh it's so the guys are the only two guys that matter are Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine are the only two guys that matter. Okay. okay. Um, I forget who the other two guys were. It's irrelevant. It's like, uh, oh no, it's like uh, what the fuck is this? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I forget. It's it's some it's like Will Barton from the Nuggets and then um, I think it's a Plumley or something like that. It doesn't oh, uh, matter. Yeah. No, Kenny Skywalker. There wasn't any kind of no Terrence Stansberry is is not there. So he he's he's all time. He got screwed. I don't want to take another way from Jordan, but 87 Terrence Sandberg is better too. So. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like Dwight Howard's in it this year, isn't he? Uh, he is. Yeah. 10 years after his last uh, appearance. So I don't know how I feel about guys who are like seven foot one in the dunk contest. It's a, yeah. It never really works out very well. Um, I don't like the gimmicky short guys either, but I like a night. Look, you need to be like six, eight. I think that's like the optimum. Right. Six, 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 eight, six eight. Yeah. Is, is yeah. definitely the way to go. Oh yeah. Andre Drummond's the other one in that, in, uh, there you go. There's a Georgetown connection for you, Andre Drummond. He does terrible. So I don't excuse me, sir. That's a UConn player. Oh, that's right. He was from UConn. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. insulting. Um, what, what stiff, terrible uh, guy did you guys have at that time? Roy Hibbert. That's who I think of. Roy Hibbert. Sorry. Old Roy Hibbert Roy. was not in the dunk contest at any point. So, old Roy, and then Henry Sims. Remember him? I do remember Henry Sims. Play yeah. for the Sixers. Play uh, for the Tank process. Sixers. Yeah, process Sixers. Interesting that once they uh, decided, hey, we're actually going to win ball games now. Uh, Henry Sims nowhere to be found. <laughs> Henry Sims and the other Hoya, Hollywood Hollis Thompson. Yeah, yeah, right, right. They stopped booking him too. They did. And, <laughs> and I don't think I don't think he got another opportunity. No, either. most of those guys are just completely complete afterthoughts in, in NBA history. The only guy like Jakar Sampson ha- has actually caught on with people for years. Yeah, uh, he's still still hanging around. But yeah, like ninety percent of those process Sixers teams are just like never <laughs> to play in the NBA ever again. So, so if you're if you're Hollywood Hollis Thompson, right? Like you started in the NBA, you were a starting NBA player for like two years. Now you were one of the worst starting players in the NBA for two years, and you you won like a combined thirteen games. But is that something like to hang your hat on? I started in the NBA for two years, and then as soon as they stopped tanking, my career was literally over. I didn't play another minute in the NBA. Like, how would you feel about that? If you're yeah, I don't know. Time? I mean, I guess I, mean, I guess you make enough money to say whatever. Who cares? But yeah, it, it's got to hurt your pride a little bit that they're like, uh, hey, we're uh, <laughs> you're starting today. All right, cool. Like, hey, we're trying to lose as many games as humanly possible. So. Like you like, gotta you know, know, you know that, right? But you know that's hey, it's you're making your money, you right? Know it, but it's an opportunity, right? Right? right. Got, it's, it's you know because like I said, Jakar Sampson has has made like his entire career now. You know, I don't think he would have ever maybe got a chance in the NBA if not for those process Sixers. But he was on there and he impressed people, and he's still kind of hanging around because of that. So I guess it's an opportunity to say, hey, look, I know we suck, but I'm gonna go out there and be my best, and hey, maybe I'll I'll, I'll you know catch on with somebody else forever. So. Two year showcase. He Hollis Thompson wouldn't have been in the NBA period if the Sixers weren't dunking at oh, that God, time. Oh no. God no! I mean, here he is starting in the NBA. <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, that was a uh, brief edition of the Overback Classic NBA podcast. I hope you enjoyed yeah. that. Uh, at Overback NBA, as Joe and I talk about the uh, former Hoyas that were also processed Sixers. <laughs> yes. That'd be a fun show. Yeah, maybe, maybe a good show. I don't know. Is it just those two? It's probably just those two, right? Uh, that were Sixers? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We could just go, like, let's remember some guys that used to play for Georgetown. David Wingate? Yeah. Oh, I like David Wingate. It's a good pull, right? That'd be a fun show. Oh, yeah. David Wingate. That's a great show. Yeah. Good hair. I think he always had good hair. He had a good mustache, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah, a, a, a gorgeous mustache. Gorgeous <laughs> lady of his mustache, David Wingate. Did did Pat Ewing Jr. ever get NBA minutes? I don't think he ever did. I don't he recall. He just bounced around training camps and stuff, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure if he ever did or not. I'll, um, yeah. I, don't I know remember seeing him in college, and I, I think maybe I saw him, I think, in a G League one time. But yeah, I don't know if he ever actually made it to the um, – yeah, no, okay. looks like he played in – Qatar in 2015, and that's the last he's he's played. So yeah, he was he was a Georgetown assistant coach for a couple years. Yeah, when you're playing in the Qatar basketball league, it might be time to uh, that's yeah, <laughs> time to hang the hang the old shoes up there. So anyway, good for him, I guess. So all right, so, uh, new beginning in Osaka. Let's talk about some new Japan. Let's talk about some wrestling. Uh, here we'll start off. First of all, before we actually get into uh, the actual show, uh, New Beginning in Osaka, there was two big news items that I think uh, are, are worth talking about at the top here. Uh, the first one, which we'll just briefly talk, John, because there's not too much else to, to really dive into this, but uh, uh, New Japan is returning to Madison Square Garden in August. So we kind of were, were, were you know, questioning, hey, look, if, if, if New Japan is going to return to America, if they're going to run MSG, which had been rumored uh, for quite a while, credit to the Super Jcast on this very network, who well, I think we're one of the first people to have it. They've been credited as, as, as one of the first to have it um, as well, that, that, that news note. But we always wondered, like, since, you know, G1 was moving to September because of the Olympics in Japan, you know, it's opened up a huge opportunity in August to maybe go do a big show, go to America, do something. And now we have the the, the announcement official that they are going to be uh, going to Madison Square Garden uh, in August. So, Joel, maybe two questions I'll ask. I mean, obviously, um, cool event. It's obviously cool to go back to Madison Square Garden. But do you do you have any fear that they're going to maybe have trouble selling this thing? Or do you think it'll sell as maybe not as quickly as, as the, you know, the G1 Supercard or whatever that, that was last Mania weekend? But do you think that they'll still do pretty well? It's it's kind of a it's a packed time. You know, I think it's the same time that um, is it the same time SummerSlam weekend is running? I want to say it might be the day before SummerSlam or the day before. There's there's a lot going on that weekend. So it's kind yeah, of a, a tricky, tricky weekend to run. And summers in America are, are, are pretty breezy and pretty tough. But it is New Japan running Madison Square Garden. So I, I don't know. What, what's your kind of take and, and, and read on it so far? Well, there was a lot of buzz when the announcement was made. And I see a lot of people saying they're going to travel to it. But that doesn't mean a ton because there was the same kind of buzz for the G1 show. In Dallas, and that only drew about 4,500 fans. Now, you run Dallas and you get a deal from Mark Cuban. You can draw 4,500 fans, make a little bit of a profit, and, you know, have it look bad on TV. You do 4,500 fans in MSG, it's just another disaster. It's the most expensive arena in the country. Right. It's New York City. And this is a gigantic show. Night one of the G1 is a big show, don't get me wrong. This Wrestle Dynasty thing, by all indications, it's going to be a Wrestle Kingdom level event, which you need to do if you're running MSG. So I get that. But if they do 45, 5,000, 6,000, even if they do like 8,000, that's an utter disaster for that building. And it'll be very hard to ever come back or justify coming back. I really think five figures would be my cutoff to call it a success. They got to put 10 grand, right? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I mean, to me, you got to put 10K in there. Um, you know, I don't even look. 
it, it's like if they don't sell it out, you know, you're going to have your people saying, ah, they couldn't even sell it out the second time. But, but if I think if they put the, the cutoff to me is 10,000 fans. And I'm not even sure they make money on that. But, you know, you put five figures in, into Madison Square Garden, I think that's a nice house. Um, you know, if the card, they're going to have to stack the card, which means they're going to have to burn off legitimate money matches, which, you know, it's understandable. Um, but then if that makes it even worse, if it doesn't draw, if you burn off, say, you know, I'll just throw Okada Naito rematch. Let's say you do that just for the sake of the argument. Right. And then you don't draw, you know, that's kind of, you're like burning off a huge match that you could have done in Japan and sold out any building in Japan. So there's a risk involved here, but this has been a, a regime since 2011 that is willing to take chances and stick their neck out. And most of the time they've been successful, but there have been notable exceptions where it hasn't worked out. You know, the first time they tried Osaka Joe Hall with AJ Styles on top, it didn't work out. Uh, some will argue that the G1 in Dallas didn't work out. Uh, there are others. Those are two off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I think. Um, I don't think anything would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if it sold out or came close to selling out. Because I do think, even though they ran the show WrestleMania weekend, I still think the novelty factor of the first time exists mm -hmm. because this is them on their own. It's not a split show with Ring of Honor. So I still think you get the novelty bump that normally you wouldn't get the second time around because technically I don't think this is the second time. I think New Japan fans see this as the first time because the New Japan fans that went to MSG, they tolerated the Ring of Honor stuff being there. They were there to see New Japan. This is just a full-on, authentic, big-time New Japan show, which is going to have incredible matches on it. So I think they'll benefit from the novelty factor a bit. Um, but it's, it's, I don't have a real good read. What do you think? You think, would it surprise you? Well, let me phrase it to you this way. Would it surprise you if they sell out? That's question number one. I don't want to say surprise, but I would be, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, the G1 Supercard, 16,534 were in the building for that one. I mean, I have a real tough time thinking that they get to that number or anywhere close to that number. Okay. So I would say surprise. Yeah, I'd be surprised that they sold out. I, would, I, I think I could easily say that. What about 10,000 fans with the third level uh, curtained off? I, th I think you can get to 10,000 pretty easily. I think they can do that. The, the problem, though, is, and, and this is one kind of one of the issues when New Japan runs in America, and it's going to be a problem when they run, obviously, Madison Square Garden as well, is that, like, I think they could pretty easily get 10,000 with some pretty interestingly priced tickets and some some aggressively priced tickets or whatnot. But you, I, is the goal to make your money running Madison Square Garden, or is the goal to aesthetically look like you got 10,000 people in Madison Square Garden and, and maybe break even? Because I think those are two different. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not confident that New Japan can do both in this case. Like I don't know that they can charge you know five hundred dollars for ringside seats and a hundred dollars up in the you know the second deck or whatever. Like I don't know that they can do that. I forget what the prices were for the G1 Supercard, but they were you know they were relatively aggressively priced or whatnot. But they wanted to get as many people uh, in the building as possible. And and is that what they kind of go for again this time to say hey look we might just break even or or maybe we you know get a little bit over the hump or whatever because you know we have to rent this building out and and do all that sort of 
sort of stuff? Or, you know, do we care to more? Because I think they could, I, you know, it's one of these situations where I think, and, and we've seen that with, the, you know, with Dallas was, was a great example of that too, where, you know, they got the building on, on what we assume is a pretty good deal or, or what we know is a pretty good deal. And they were able to charge a little bit more for tickets and they were able to say, hey, look, yeah, only, you know, whatever, 6,000 or 7,000 people showed up, but we made money on this. And 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 that's kind of what's been going on with a lot of the new new beginning shows in, uh, in, in the USA as well is that like, yeah, maybe aesthetically the buildings don't look, you know, super packed or whatever, but they get a thousand people at some pretty highly priced tickets. And it's like, hey, we're making money. I, people kind of look at that differently. Like, yeah. I, you know, people like the aesthetics of it. And I think, like you said. I don't know that I can get by with, you know, if they had 7,000 people in there, but they made money, the aesthetics would just be utter shit. Cause it's like, oh my God, you ran Madison Square Garden, you got 7,000 people. Yeah. You know, and you're curtaining off the entire second deck and the entire top deck. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Even if then, you know, they make more money with 7,000 people than they would with, you know, 10,000, maybe more aggressively priced or lower priced or whatever. To me, though, you got like, you got to hit that 10,000. I, I, there's something about that. There's something about the aesthetics of that, the look of it, the, the, the feeling of that. Like, I just don't think you can get five and seven thousand in Madison Square Garden and feel happy about that. I just don't think you could. Some of those shows on the New Beginning USA tour, if you do the math, did like over fifty thousand dollar gates. Yeah. Those shows didn't lose money. Those shows didn't cost, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to run. Um you know but MSG okay, well let me ask you this. Would you be surprised if the advance was poor, they had three thousand tickets sold Nothing else looked like it was going to move, and they moved it to the theater. Would that surprise you? Um, no, I, I don't think it would. I yeah. mean, that, that's a big <laughs> man. I, I shouldn't say like man. I, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised, but man, that would be that's rough. Because the whole reason to run there is we're running Madison Square Garden, right? We're not well, look what happened to Triple. Well, that's happened to Triple A, but Triple A, their advance was like a hundred tickets, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, but what happened was they moved to the theater and then everybody walked up. So they ended up filling the theater or coming close to filling the theater. But the advance for the arena was just, it's like literally nobody bought tickets in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, I really don't know how to feel about it. I don't think either scenario would would surprise me. I think, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends what kind of card they put together, too. Yeah, I think the um, August is a good date to do it because you could justify like a, a weekend vacation or a vacation or whatever like that. That's that doesn't hurt too much. But the problem, I just don't know. And this would be a great case for it because I just don't know how many people can afford or want to travel for wrestling anymore. I mean, this is when, you know, a few years ago, I would have said, no, no doubt. Of course, people are going to travel across the country to see this. But like. I, I don't know. Like, I think we may, we may, maybe we didn't, I don't know. Well, but I think we may have burnt out the traveling wrestling fan. Like how many times can a traveling wrestling fan go to AEW, go to new Japan, go to WrestleMania. We can go like how many, like, cause we, we tapped into that. I mean, the wrestling business tapped into those people time and time and time and time again for, you know, three, four years or whatever. But how, you know, how many more people can do that? How many people can say, ah, you know what? Yes, I'm going to go, you know, to the G1 and, in, 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 you know, Supercard or whatever the, you know, the Russell Dynasty, what they're calling this one. I'm going to go, I can go in August. Like, but maybe those same people went to, you know, Double or Nothing in Vegas or they're coming to Chicago in, in two weeks or whatever. Like, how many people can keep doing that? How sustainable is the traveling wrestling fan? Well, now you know why Tony Khan doesn't want Jericho and Moxley working New Japan shows in America. Right. I mean, um, how about the, here's an interesting how about the idea, we just saw some reports uh, from people who track this sort of thing, that the WrestleMania weekend tickets 
with the exception of Spring Break and Bloodsport, are not doing well. How about the idea of this particular WrestleMania weekend, so far on paper, not looking very good, and early ticket sales compared to prior years sort of backing up the idea. People aren't too excited about fucking, you know, Danhausen's werewolf uh, fucking WrestleMania or whatever the fuck. And if not as many people travel to WrestleMania weekend, do you think they then have it in the budget to say, oh, well, if New Japan's coming to America in August, maybe I'm going to save my traveling wrestling money this year for an MSG New Japan show. Right, right. Maybe, maybe, maybe WrestleMania weekend falling, you know, on its ass is, is, is good for this. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people maybe like me, you know, I, I have, you know, when Russell Dynasty got announced, I, you know, I had a, a few text messages just saying like, hmm, that's interesting. You, you, you down? And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying no, you know, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And, and the reason, you know, if I was going to WrestleMania weekend, I would say absolutely not. I'm already going to WrestleMania weekend. Like last year, you know, it was like, I'm not doing anything else. I just did an entire trip for, for, for wrestling. Like I can't do that again this year, but yeah. you're right. Like it, th- there could be a lot of people in my scenario or, or, you know, me and my buddies, like we, we all went to WrestleMania weekend last year, but there's a, a real possibility that like none of us go this year. I think right now, none of us are going this year. And, and yeah, when the Russell dynasty got announced, those same people that are, that went with me last year, to WrestleMania weekend are now saying, Hmm, interesting, you know? MSG in August. Oh, okay. Like, so maybe there are those people. Maybe there are those people that said, Hey, look, maybe this is, maybe this will be anybody that was on the fence. Maybe now looks at this and goes, ah, well, fuck it. Then, you know, I'll go yeah. to AEW if they're near me or I'll go to, you know, Las Vegas for AEW and I'll do this, but I'm not going to WrestleMania weekend. Like you're right. There might be a lot of those people as well. So I think a poor looking WrestleMania weekend lineup could help the MSG show. Absolutely. And, and I think the presence of the MSG show could hurt WrestleMania weekend for what you're saying. The fence sitter, the fence sitter fan might say, well, okay, they just made my WrestleMania weekend decision for me. I'd rather go to MSG. But at the same time, New Japan is running shows in Tampa. You know, it's, it's a lion's break, but look at the people that are on that lion's break show. I mean, there's heavy hitters on that show and they're sending all of their heavy hitters to the ROH show as well. I don't know if that's a very smart move. You know, if I'm New Japan, I might make people thirst to see my guys. I'm not going to give you an opportunity in April to see all of my big stars or most of my big stars. I don't know if I would have sent them to Tampa, you know, and I, I may have saved it all for August because this is a very important show for them. You know, because if, if they sell out again, they're going to run it again, you know, and if they don't do well, they, they can't come back. So it, it, to me, I think. New Japan's presence in Tampa, knowing what we know now, is a mistake. I mean, how much money are they going to make on that dopey little Lions Break show? Right, or, or, or you know, helping out Ring of Honor for, um, yeah, you know, well, and, they, and I guess, I guess, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's not totally unrelated. The hey, we'll send some of our guys over to, uh, you know, Lakeland, Florida for you. But hey, we got this Russell Dynasty thing coming up in in August. But like. Uh, again, like what Ring of Honor? I mean, I guess Marty Scurll would be one that you'd obviously try to get onto that show, but I don't know how much oh, other value sure, Ring of Honor. I mean, there's going to be Ring of Honor. I mean, I, I, I think you'd be stupid to not think Ring of Honor will be involved. You think so? I, I, I do. I do. Maybe not see, like, I don't think it'll be co-promoted Ring of Honor in New Japan, but I, I, I could definitely see a few of their talents popping up. See, I don't think, new, I don't think Ring of Honor is going to be involved. I think New Japan wants this to be a New Japan show. Now, if you want to talk about talent, yeah, I do think. Look, Marty, would it surprise me if Marty Scroll worked the show? Yeah, no, oh no, 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 I, no. I, I should I mean, say, I should clarify that. I'm not saying like, 
I'm not saying that like it's going to be like you know a Ring of Honor produce match and there's going to be but like I think that there could be some talent that that moves over there. Maybe they don't explicitly say it's a Ring of Honor talent or whatever, but like yeah, yeah. you know guys that that are right re- quote unquote regulars in Ring of Honor make their way over for that show. Like like Marty would be a no brainer. He's of course probably going to pop up. Yeah, and someone who you would think could sell some tickets if he's in the right match. So um, yeah, for sure. But I, it's too. I don't know. I really don't have a good feel for it. I can't sit here and tell you. I definitely think the show is going to do well, or I definitely think the show is going to bomb. I, I, I wish I had a stronger take, but I don't. Um, but it, it, it's it's a real interesting situation to keep an eye on. Yeah, and, and I think we, we should note as well, and I, I mentioned it a little bit in passing at the beginning of this, but it is running the same weekend as SummerSlam, and, and it was a takeover. It's running the same night as a takeover. In Boston. And, yeah, so a takeover will be in Boston and over SummerSlam weekend as well, which I don't know if that was coordinated. I don't know if they just didn't know, like... But again, that you know, that it's another tough hurdle that they have to look at there. Of like, all right, look, like anybody that would, I guess they're sort. What they need to do, they need it. Just needs to be a kick-ass card. It's got to be just a fucking incredible card, right? They need to oh, get yeah, anybody. Yeah. They need to get anybody that was thinking, hey, I, I need to do. Like, I would, I would get out there and try to announce something. I know you. That's not what they typically do, but I think you want to not. You want to let people know way ahead of time. Look, okay, I'm not going to you know WrestleMania weekend. I'm not doing something like you. Got to get ahead of these plans. Because a lot of stuff will add up. AEW pay-per-views will add up. You know, SummerSlam weekend will add up. WrestleMania weekend will add up. Things will add up if you don't get out of here and say, hey, look, right now, Russell Dynasty in August, boom versus boom is happening at Madison Square Garden. Rich, they're not going to do that. I know they're not. And that's, and that's one of the issues, I think, when they run in America is that's yeah. not what they do. But, like, okay, then you're, you're, you're going to get behind the eight ball there if you, if you wait for other people to get their announcements and get their weekends out. Yeah, they're not going to do it. I mean, but we talk about this every time. What they absolutely need to do is announce the names. They know who's going to be on that show today. So they need to tell people who, by the time they start selling those tickets, we need to know the roster of wrestlers who are going to be on that show. And I think the New Japan fans will accept that, especially if it's everyone, everyone of consequence, Mm -hmm. I should say. Um, but they're not. You know, they're not going to give away the match. They're I not going to do it. <laughs> is it so much to ask, like, for them to say X is in a singles match or whatever? Like, you know, like, just let me know that I'm not going to see tag matches because, and that's the other issue t- I, I think as well is yeah. is what sort of confidence level do a lot of fans have? I think I, I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I believe that because they deem it Wrestle Dynasty and it's in Madison Square Garden and we saw from the G1 Supercard that they know this is a big deal that they're not yeah. going to go out there and throw you a Yoshihashi you know chaos no. six man tag match or whatever with you know Kata Yoshihashi and, and, and Ishii versus some you know like I don't think they're going to do that I, I think they're smarter than that but I do think that there might be fans that go okay look I need to know not necessarily just that Okada is going to be there, but that Okada is going to be in something meaningful. That Tanahashi is going to be there doing something meaningful. That that Naito will be there, and and he's going to be in a big match, or he's going to defend his title, or he's going to do do whatever. I know that they don't want to announce it. I know they can't announce it, but I think that they need to do a little bit more than just the names. I don't know if names alone are enough because they've announced good names, and you know sometimes those good names are just you know stuck in in meaningless tag matches. Yeah, I don't know. I think it helps that last time they gave you Wrestle Kingdom level singles matches, though. Right. I. I I, I think the being MSG and I think the, the, the yeah. branding it as Wrestle Dynasty I think is important yeah. too and 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 I think as far as I've been able to tell it it hasn't really been branded as New Japan of America it's more just New Japan for wrestling Wrestle yeah. Dynasty is everything that I've seen I, in it so the, the New Japan of America thing is more of a corporate that's right, not right, right. how they they don't really brand that to the fans that's just a corporate thing so it's a different line item or whatever but um you know, they gave you Okada, White, and Naito Abushi and Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr. last time. 
And but you're right. I mean, they should give at minimum a list of names, and then it wouldn't kill them to say, "You will see the IWGP title defended, the Intercontinental title defended, the Never title." De- right, because then, then that lets you know. Okay, look, who, okay, no matter who know, the champion yeah. is, I know I'm getting. I'm getting big matches. Uh, exactly right. I'm getting matches of consequence, and and I think that's important more so than here's a you know a puked out list of names that are going to be on the show because you know I I I would believe that no, I'm going to get decent matches out of that, but but I could see some fans. Thinking, okay, well, you know, yeah, not everyone's cool. super. Not everyone's like a, a you know, a, a smart like we are, and know that it's going to be a quality card either. You know, your, your your casual New Japan fan might be a little skeptical of the lineup, right? So I think, yeah, you, you want to say, look, they know what the card is today, or they at least have a framework of what the card's going to be today. Okay, so yeah, they absolutely should give the list of participants and what titles are going to be defended. That would help a lot. Honestly, I don't think they're going to do either. No, I agree. I don't think they will. I don't, I don't think whatever show is in, whatever show is in July, what show is in July? I don't even, because normally that's G1. So I don't even know. Yeah. The whole schedule is so, a little wild this year. I, I don't, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Things we're not going to know shit until whatever the big July show is, is over. You know, that you know, that's how they're going to handle it. You, you would think they would adjust. You would hope that they would adjust. I don't think they're going to adjust. And then they're going to try to sell all their tickets in a month instead of trying to sell tickets for six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominion would probably be their last big opportunity. June, June 14th. Dominion. Yeah. So no, but see, they're probably going to run some kind of B show in July and they're not going to want to give away the card for wrestle dynasty because it's going to give away match results for whatever they have planned for July. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, you know how they do things. So unless they're just not running anything in July, which I find hard to believe, then I really don't think that you might get the main event. Maybe they could set up the main event after Dominion. They'll probably do that. They'll probably have the IWGP title match, the next one set up after Dominion. And then that July show, that B show will be headlined by something else, either never or whatever. Maybe, um, by that point, Tanahashi and Abushi will have the tag titles or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. I, I'm Which appears, yeah, I'm excited. Like I'm so, oh God, I'm so excited. They're finally doing it. Thank God. So anyway, we'll, we'll see um, as we get closer. You would hope and think that they would try to adjust their thinking, being that this show is so critical. I mean, Long Beach and San Jose and even Dallas to some extent are one thing. This is different. You know, you'd hope you'd hope that they would do everything they can to make sure that the building is full. Uh, the other note that came up, uh, which is a pretty big one as well, not maybe for us here in, uh, in America, but uh, uh, in Japan is that uh, last item, uh, you know, they revealed during their, you know, little, whatever you want to call it, intermission or whatever, uh, is that Friday nights, 8 p.m. World Pro Wrestling Returns is going to air uh, on a satellite station in Japan, which is a huge, huge thing. Um, there, there's some, you know, we, we don't, you know, you and I are not experts of Japanese TV or, or Japanese, Japanese TV distribution or whatnot. And people are kind of trying to figure this out right now. But as far as what we, we know and what we've been told or whatever, this is a pretty big deal. It's not necessarily, maybe it's not like the biggest deal. They're not on prime time Friday night at 8 p.m. and everybody in the world can see them or everybody in Japan can see them or whatever. But it's on a pretty relatively 
really good station. And I think the bigger thing is that it's Friday nights at 8 p.m. and not what I mean, they were on what Saturdays at 4 a.m. or some bullshit uh, for the last yes. few years as well. I mean, being on prime time again is a huge thing. That has not been the case for years and years and years for, for, for New Japan Pro Wrestling and, and really most Japanese wrestling in general. And, and, and back in the heyday, back when Japanese wrestling was as huge of a deal uh, domestically as it was, it was because it was Friday nights at 8 p.m. It was a thing that families watched, it was a thing that everybody watched on Friday nights at 8 p.m. in prime time. Like, a, a, you know, everybody was able to see it. And, you know, maybe not everyone's going to be able to see it this time, but still, the return to prime time is a big, big news story for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. What a lot of people don't realize, and, you know, they've achieved all of this growth in Japan to the point that they are having their biggest revenue years in their history over the last two years with little to no inflation in Japan as a whole. And they have achieved all of that with their TV airing at 2.45 in the morning on the weekends. Right. The goal, all these different golden eras of New Japan um, had primetime network television to support it. They've done this with essentially, let's call it what it is, no TV, which is crazy. So this is not network primetime, but this is primetime cable. Um, the estimates I saw were between 40 and 50% of homes have this. And it is absolutely an upgrade to, the, to their current television situation, which is just a non-entity airing at that hour on the weekend. So it's big for them to be on, on prime time. This will reach more eyeballs than, than their previous, than the TV they have now. And it's, it's not even close. And look what they've done with that terrible television situation previously. So, uh, yeah, this, this, I would consider, there's a lot of people downplaying it, but I I don't know. I, I consider it a pretty big deal. Yeah, you're you're absolutely nuts if you're if you're playing this because, like you said, like at, at best, at, at absolute worst, I should say, it's a huge upgrade over their current TV. Is it you know is it what it was thirty years ago? No, probably not. TV isn't what it was thirty years ago, even in Japan. Like we under, everybody knows that, everybody understands that. But still, being on from you know yeah Saturday morning at two forty five a.m. or whatever compared to Friday at eight p.m. I mean, you're gonna get more eyeballs. And I think that's it, it, it's it's a story that like I know because in America like domestically we don't really we, we don't really care about this because it doesn't affect us in in any way. But it's hard to ignore this. Like I didn't see a lot of I you know I I kind of you know I did the review of this this show uh, for the for VoicesWrestling.com. So I, I was you know not on Twitter and I was trying not to get spoiled and watching it unspoiled or whatnot. And when I was done, I, I was kind of scrolling through Twitter to say, hey, are more people making a big deal out of this? And I was kind of surprised that more people weren't. And I'm like, I don't think I don't think people grasp how big of a deal this is. You know, it's not necessarily that like it in itself in a vacuum is a big deal, but exactly like you said, that New Japan has done all this growth, everything that they've done over the last five, six, seven years or whatever, all that has been done by having a TV show that's basically non-existent. And that's a, it's tremendous that they've gotten this far with nothing. And now you have to wonder, okay, well now, you know, they've done all this with, with, with really nothing, you know, in the TV realm, you know, what's possible now that more eyeballs can see this, that more families can see this, that more casual fans might just kind of stumble upon this, that now everybody can watch, you know, this new Japan for wrestling anytime they want. And they can turn on their TV and it's on in prime time when they're sitting there at their home or, or they're ready to, you know, watch TV for the night or whatever. I mean, that is huge. That is gigantic. So yeah, I didn't see a whole lot about it. And I was like, I'm, I don't know if people quite grasp it. Like, yeah, it, it's, you know, again, in a vacuum, no, maybe it's not the biggest TV deal ever. It's not a great TV, but compared to what they were doing, it's incredible. And it, it definitely has you thinking, okay, well now, you know, how much more does this business grow? Cause you, you got to imagine it does, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you got to keep, um, creating and building stars. That's number one. 
but the added TV exposure is, is, is enormous. I mean, it's enormous. That's how you make new fans. Um, so it's, it's that two combination, it's that combination of things, you know, television exposure to exposure stars and continuing to elevate, create and cultivate new stars. Those are the two keys. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a much bigger deal than I think a lot of people, um, are making it out to be. It's a bigger story than, um, than has been presented. I, I don't understand why it's not, um, a bigger story. I mean, I, I get that it's not network, but I think it's being downplayed too much. Uh, all right, let's move on to this uh, new beginning in Osaka show. So this was over the weekend, of course, 11,411 people in the building. What do you make of, uh, of that attendance number? Uh, an enormous success. Yeah. For, for not a dominion show, just a new beginning, <laughs> new beginning in Osaka, 11,411. That's uh, yeah, you can't be upset with that. So again, like they're doing all this without any TV, which is pretty incredible. Uh, we'll start at the main event and kind of work our way back because I think uh, you and I both want to talk about this one a lot. Uh, Naito versus Kenta. Uh, Naito, of course, successfully defends the IWGP and Intercontinental Championship uh, against Kenta. But Joe, what'd you think of this? And I, I know that you, uh, you had some really good tweets, you know, as, as you were watching this and, and talking about, and, and I tried to touch on it a little bit in the review as well, but you know, this was one that like, we had a lot of equity into because we're big Kenta fans. We're, we're longtime Kenta fans and, and nobody was more disappointed by his WWE tenure than you and I, like it just absolutely just crippled us just how he just didn't click. And we kind of were wondering, ah, fuck, that's the end of this guy. Like he's never really coming back or he's never going to figure it out again. Or maybe they broke him or he's never going to, you know, have the, the passion again for it. But man, you know, he's in the main event here and that's taking nothing away from Naito, but you know, Kenta main eventing Osaka, Joe Hall, 11,000 people. And then he just has a, a great performance. I thought I loved the match. Uh, what'd you think of it? And what, what'd you think of, you know, what were your feelings seeing Kenta come out there? You know, in that moment in Osaka Joe Hall with all those people knowing where he was, you know, literally almost a year at this point. Like, I think it was, I have the date in front of me, Feb- February 22nd is when he uh, re- got released from WWE. So almost a year to the date, you know, now he's main eventing in Osaka Joe Hall in a big time match for, you know, a double title. So what were your feelings watching Kenta come out? Yeah, this is the great ascension and his career, um, you know, a, a total career revival and you have to feel good for him. Because a lot of people, even when he was coming into New Japan, were questioning whether he could hang, uh, questioning whether his body could hold up, questioning whether he could work at the level of the New Japan roster, questioning whether he was finished as a top-line performer and whether a New Japan run would would even work out in the first place. And uh, to me, this is just uh, a great stamp on the return of uh, of Kenta as he headlined one of the biggest shows that will take place all year. Uh, in Japan, you know, for any company, and you have to feel good for him because uh, he has he has just he's he's a different Kenta. This obviously isn't the Kenta of 2005 or 2009. He's older, his body is broken down, but he's found different ways to get over. And uh, this is what the all-time greats do. You know, they they find different and new ways to get over. Look at Chris Jericho. Look at whoever you want to look at. That's what the all-time greats do. They, they, they adjust, they change, and they find new ways to get it done. And this guy, along with Jay White, are just uh, heat machines in New Japan as heels. And he's doing it with promos. He's doing it with crafty heel ring work, which we saw some of in this match. And he can work just well enough to get it done between the bells, too. You know, he, again, this isn't, you're not getting vintage 2006 Kenta and you're never getting it again. 
Okay, but are you getting a guy who can go in there and work a competent match and even top off at at, at an awesome, you know, at, at having high level matches? Absolutely. Um, but the, the the whole package is as a total package. I mean, he has after that half decade run in WWE where he became a total non-entity and he was just constantly getting hurt and getting his pushes derailed and who knows if the pushes would have worked out anyway. Um, you know, he goes to New Japan and in less than a year, within about seven or eight months' time, he has ascended to where he is now one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world again. And I say again, but he may be a bigger star now than he's ever been in his entire career. I mean, when you really look at it, um, you know, he's headlining biggest company in the world and, and selling out buildings. You know, I, I can't, I, I don't know if he's ever been this big of a star. You know, even at his peak in Noah. Right. I don't know if I can say that. You know, and it's, it's, it's really remarkable when you look at it from that perspective. And I think it's, he's totally changing his legacy, right? Because if he has this great second run, if he has this great second act that didn't happen in America, okay, but it's going to happen again in Japan. It's like he has that first run where he was one of the best wrestlers in the world for, you know, over a decade. Right. And and the star, there's no question he was a star. Um, But, you know, uh, for the era that he was in, his pushes on top didn't equal big business in the context of 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 the era. Right. He was always chasing. And and that one of the issues with that early Noah run, even if like maybe there were some attendances that were on this level or or or, you know, matches that were on this level or main events that were on this level, it always felt like he was following up, you know, something that nobody could follow up. He, He was always, you know. The, the the new kid on the block, the new guys that aren't as good as the old guys. Like it, it always had that sort of feeling about it that it never felt like he was he was ever the man. You, you know, it was always yeah, this guy's good, but man, it was a lot better when you know Kobashi was here. Oh man, when Masao was here, like it, and that was unfortunately for both Kenta and Mirafuji is they were always sort of chasing what Noah was, and they could never nobody ever really fully appreciated what they were uh, at that time, which always kind of sucked and, and and kind of put a you know a, a damper on a lot of their pushes at that time too. Well, two things. They're they're not just following Hall of Famers. They were following some of the all-time greatest <laughs> right, wrestlers literally, ever literally the top five wrestlers of all and, time, yeah. Yeah, you're following some of the biggest stars to ever walk the planet in pro wrestling. So that was challenge number one. And challenge number two for both Kenta and Marafuji where Japan just wasn't quite ready for junior guys to be in the top spot. You were still a few years off from fans willing to accept smaller wrestlers in those spots. So you had those two things working against you. You know, the Kenta Marafuji match, the famous one, which quote unquote bombed, probably, you know, it's questionable how many fans it drew because numbers are worked and all that. Probably drew about the same amount of fans as this show did. But in the context of that era, it was a poor house, you know? So it's like, you know, whether they did, they probably did a little less. Maybe they drew eight, 9,000, I think is what people say. And then, what what's the official? What did Noah announce for that show? Go back. Uh, let me and, see. And what find what, what was the exact? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to figure that, that out. That was the uh, Marafuji against Kenta for the GHC title. Yeah, I forget what um, the actual name of the show was. It. Uh, but it, but but it it I'll was a it, it was a it was a heavily uh, papered, um, uh, not heavily papered. Um, they, they 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 inflated the the attendance on that show for sure. But um, you know, in terms of how many people were in the building. It probably wasn't significantly less than we're in the building for this. My point here is, um, you know, it was hard to live up to the standard of your Masawas and Kobashis at that time. And Noah just was impatient and they kept going back to those guys and, and Kenta and Marafuji, um, 
you know, by the time those guys finally got a true fair shake on top, Noah was a shell of the company it once was, and it was too late. And they hadn't developed new stars to come up, uh, new heavyweight stars to come up. You know, more more Shima didn't work out for whatever reason, and uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, Taniguchi never became uh, any kind of uh, star on any level, and they just Noah was very developing stars, but this is his second act now and where, where he isn't the worker he once was, you know, he's arguably a bigger star and, and that could, you know, if he has a five, six, seven year run, you know, he's 37 years old now. Um, it's not unrealistic to think he could have a, a nice five year run here as a top guy or a semi-main event guy who works on top sometimes in new, you know, at times in new Japan, this is a guy rebuilding a hall of fame resume. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, he's my favorite wrestler of all time, and I never voted for him, and, and, and he fell off the ballot and all that, I think. I think he was on the ballot and fell off. But it's like, you know, if he's got half of his career where he was one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, and he has a second half of his career where he's a major draw for the second biggest company in the world and the biggest company in Japan, I mean, now we have to re – we got to, like, relitigate his Hall of Fame case if this keeps up, you know? So there, there's that aspect to it too. This is just he's set up for a tremendous second act, and I'm glad that's happening for him because he easily could have gotten discouraged after that five years in WWE and just packed it in or not been motivated right? or been happy just to have a job with New Japan and happy to be a mid-carder. But he's out here having legendary angles. I mean, the Shibata angle is going to go down as a legendary pro wrestling angle. One of the greatest angles in the history of Japanese wrestling at the Shibata angle. And it propelled him to a level of stardom in New Japan. When at the time, you know, he was a baby face and the fans weren't accepting of him because he was a Noah guy. But that appeared to be all part of the plan, you know. And then he interrupts Naito at Wrestle Kingdom, which was another great angle. And he's cutting all those great promos. And now this guy's selling out Osaka Joe Hall on top. So... I mean, this is just, it's a great story. Did you find that show or no? Uh, yeah, I was able to. They, they claimed capacity 15,000 at Budokan. Yeah, there's no way there were 15,000 <laughs> Go watch there. that we show. That. I think you can count. So, That's, uh, no, but I mean, it's not like it's empty. That's the thing. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, there may have been 11,000 people there. Realistically, there was probably eight or 9,000. Okay? But this is what I'm saying. That's like the same ballpark as this Naito match. But when you adjust for the era, that was considered bombing. Right. At, you know, at that time, Masawa was like, well, fuck that. We can't be drawing 9,000 people uh, to these shows. So they aborted mission and just totally abandoned the idea. Right. Those two, wouldn't have, pushing, those two would not have a GHC title match until 2013 again. And that was way past when anything mattered. Right. That was 5,000 people. Get <laughs> went to that show. So. Quote, unquote, 5,000. Yeah, I right. Mean, it may, it, <laughs> Who knows? I, I, you know, it may have been, it may not have been. But the, po- the, the, the point here is they drew, you know, probably around 10,000 people for the sake of the argument. And it was considered a, an enormous bomb that they had to abandon immediately. And, you know, they went back to, to, uh, to I guess, Masawa at that time. I, I can't recall if it was off the top of my head. But it's, it's, but it's like, you know, now, you know, you do 11-4. You know, a real eleven four filling up a building like Osaka Joe, and and you know you you have to look at these things in the context of their eras. It's not fair. It's it's we talk about this all the time. 
But um, but you know, it's 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 a little unfair because who knows if they would have just stayed the course with those two, what could have happened? Maybe the fans would have come around on the idea that these smaller guys can be the top guys. Unfortunately, we will never know. It's not like the show did 3,000 fans. Okay, it just didn't meet the standard of what Noah was doing at the time. When It didn't meet the standard of what, you know, top 0.01% all-timers were doing at the time. It was just such a, a hard standard to, to live up to. Mm-hmm. But it, again, this is, this is, he's really, he's having himself just a tremendous second act here as a different kind of top guy. You know, uh, a, a heel who, uh, who, who's getting legitimate heat, who, who now they can trust as a guy at the top of the card. And it's great to see. Yeah, I really like this match. What did you think of the match itself? I mean, I went, I went four and a half with it. I, I, re- I mean, there was a few parts that I didn't love. I didn't love when, when Switchblade ran in, but, um, you know, th- there was a ref bump and, and, and Switchblade ran in or whatever. But it was enough that, like, what happened was, is, you know, Bushi ran in to distract him. You know, Takahashi or Hiromu came out and, and distracted him as well. They sent White out. So it didn't last too long. And it didn't become overbearing. And then it got kind of ready to go after that point. I think from that point forward, I really loved everything. Because, you know, obviously Naito gets busted open. He's gushing blood. And, and I thought Kenta, I mean, this was I, I thought Naito was very good in this match. I thought this was like an all-time great, you know, this era Kenta performance. Because like you said, he his body isn't what it was before. He can't do everything he was able to do before. But my God, that guy, like, he will paint between the lines. I mean, if any time that he's not wrestling or, you know, on offense or, or selling or whatever, he's bullshit with the crowd. He's telling them to go fuck themselves. He's he's just he's like you said, he's a fucking heat magnet. Like any opportunity he had to get that crowd to boo him and hate him and want to see Naito kick his ass, he took it. And I thought this was just like I thought it was a masterful, masterful performance by Kenta. I, I I fucking loved his performance here. But I think Naito was great as well. But but ultimately I, I really like this match. But what what would you think? I am love it. <laughs> with all that said, I didn't I didn't love the match. I thought it was a very good match. I didn't think it was a great match. Um, you know, I, I I went three and three quarters on it to give you an idea if you want to go rating. So you like this match way more yeah. than I did. Um, I think it just I I don't think that the crowd totally bought into the idea that, that they could see a title change. I think eventually they did, but it took a while. The blood helped, but the blood came so late in the match. It's it's Naito got busted open, and I was like, okay. And then it really picked up, like the intensity, the crowd picked up on that energy. But it ended like three minutes later. You, you know, it's just they it, 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 they ran into some good luck with the accidental blood, but they ran into some bad luck, and then I thought it came a little late in the match, mm-hmm. and. To me, I was just starting to get into the match at that point. So to me, the, 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 the finish was a little bit flat for me because I was just starting to really get into the match. And honestly, before the blood, uh, you know, I would have rated the match lower and, and I, I really wasn't super into it until that point. Um, but I still thought it was a, a very good match, but I can't, I can't call it great. I think it'll be on the lower end of IWGP title matches this year, um, or at least based on history, I think it will be because you don't see many. I don't see many IWGP title matches that I go below four on. Right. I maybe one or two a year tops, one or two a year maybe. Some years none. But um, it wasn't a bad match. It just wasn't. It never. Uh, 
really hit the next gear or, or hit those peaks that I want to see out of an IWGP title match. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it as much as you did. Yeah, and, and that's fair because I don't think it was worked at at, at that because because again, like Kenta, I don't know that he can go, and I don't know if I, I'm not sure if Naito can and 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 Kenta could go on that level of you know 30 minute back and forth and and, and kicking out of everybody's stuff and really getting getting to that epic level because I don't think this ever like felt like an epic to me it kind of felt more like a, a a fight or like a war between these two guys and i think that that's why i think i liked it a little bit more is is it was a little bit of a change of a pace because i've gotten kind of sick of of just kind of the generic you know i don't want to say generic because that's the poor way to you know phrase it but like you know there, there's kind of always been you know these iwgp title matches particularly when I, okada was there that was kind of had like a a set ish sort of template or whatnot. And I thought this broke from it a little bit. And I think more, more than anything, I just thought Kenta was just an incredible asshole this entire match. And I think that's really, you know, where he stepped up to me and, 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 you know, really, really, really like, again, I, I can't put over how well I thought Kenta was uh, in this match. Again, not, not taking anything away from, from Naito whatsoever, you but know I just thought Kenta was the ultimate dickhead here. So, you know, what's funny is we've reviewed other Kenta matches on this show since the heel turn. I was the one ra- raving about how Kenta's performance was so great. And you were like, ah, I thought it was okay. I yeah, the I know. This is the okay. one that I was like, I love this. Joe's going to love this. And that's the match. other way around. <laughs> I know. I don't but know. that just goes to show like the Kenta stuff isn't always going to completely land with everybody. Right. You know, and it's like, I didn't think, again, I don't think it was a bad match. I thought it was a very good match. I just didn't think it was a great match. You thought it was a great match. Um, and and yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying about Kenta's work. And I wasn't expecting or even wanting an Okada style thirty minute hot closing stretch. I knew they weren't gonna do that in this spot. Just based now Naito will have title defenses that are like that. He wasn't going to have one of those kinds of matches with Kenta. So it's not even a matter of the match not being the kind of match that I was wanting or expecting right, right. or looking for. I was expecting this. It just didn't cross over from very good to great for me, which is, I mean, you know, I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong yeah. with going out there and having a very good match. Um, and for all I know, I'm the outlier. I didn't even watch this match until like a day ago. You don't even want to get into why. I just, just don't even. But it's like, <laughs> so I was, so I oh, was avoiding a oh, lot that's of fair. <laughs> that's just the fuck. Because I fight with the New Japan world. If Because, listen, I like to watch on the fire stick because I'm someone who prefers to watch matches on my TV as opposed to my laptop. I can concentrate better if the match is on my TV. Um, we all have short attention spans these days. I think it's just a, the era we're living in. I'm someone where if it's on my TV, I pay attention more than, than if it's on my laptop. I know some people are the opposite way around. The problem is, have you ever tried to fast forward on the New Japan World app on a Fire Stick? Uh, so I, I don't have it's a like, Fire Stick, but I, I have tried to do it on. I tried. I Chromecast mine. I Chromecast mine to my TV, and it is the yeah. same exact thing. It never works. It shuts down. It breaks. I got to uncast it, it and recast it. I got fucking Jay White and these, you know, the screensaver staring at me for twenty five minutes. Was trying, did you yeah. ever get that where you get the New Japan World screensaver and it's just like you know various pictures of yes. New Japan stars staring at you? And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, let's go. Come on, I'll cast it. Let's go. Yeah, I know that. Like, I don't know. I don't know the Fire Stick experience, but I do know the Chromecast experience, and it's it's not good. It's very bad. You got to fast forward on the Fire Stick 
with delicacy. Like you, you, you have to be so delicate. You got to be like fast forward a couple minutes, then let it play for a few seconds. Then fast forward again. It, there's an art to it because if you just try to straight up fast forward and hold down that button to get to the main event, it's going to fucking freeze on you. It, it, and so I'm waiting for them to break out the show into the individual matches. You know, after a couple days, they just put up the match files, right? But they never put up the match files for the Osaka oh, show. Oh, wow. That's interesting because usually it's like the next day that they'll have some of them. Yeah. At least the main event so, will always be up there. So I wasn't able to get to the main event on my first viewing. I stopped right after the semi, and I was like, eh, tomorrow when they put up the match files, I'll come back and watch the main event. Then the next day. Then the next day. They never put them up. I still don't think the match files are up. So finally, after about five or six attempts to fast forward through the show, imagine how frustrating that was. I got it to fast forward to the main event without freezing up, and then I finally watched the match. That was like yesterday. So the the point of this long story is I tried – I was spoiled because you're not going to go unspoiled that long. But I didn't go out of my way to read reviews or people's opinions because I wanted, you know, my own unbiased first time. You know, you don't understand what I'm saying. I don't want to go into the match with other people's opinions in my brain. So, uh, and now I don't even remember what point I was, I was, I was going to try to make here, but, um, Oh, I don't even know what anyone else really thinks of it other than you and a couple other people that I've seen since then that I asked or talked about it with. But, um, no, I don't know. I just thought it was a very good match that, that it, it never ascended to great for me. I don't know. Uh, move on to this. Uh, well, I, I should say after the match, uh, Romu comes out and uh, challenges Naito yeah. uh, for a match at the anniversary show. So they're doing the junior versus uh, heavyweight match at, at the anniversary show. It's a, that should be awesome. That should, Hiromu versus Naito is fucking and, incredible. So. And it's already essentially sold out. I think it's down to standing room. Yeah. So that's that, that show is going to sell out every year regardless. But a match like that, you knew was going to sell out. And Hiromu says he wants the Wrestle Kingdom briefcase if he wins. He says he doesn't want the title. He wants the briefcase. Which doesn't really make a lot of sense, but his character is crazy. <laughs> right, so, that would make sense. That, yeah, that he has no fucking clue what's going on. So. Well, his his justification was, I, I want the title, but if I say I want this to be a title match, then people are going to say that every year. So I know you're not going to do it. But, so instead, if I win, I want the Wrestle Kingdom briefcase. So, he's not going to win. So, they should make it for the briefcase. Why not? Since he's going to lose anyway. Just add a little juice to it. Right. I, I, you know, there, there would be no harm in that. But, um, but yeah, that's going to be the anniversary main event. And they always do that. The junior. Uh, yeah, we had Will, Will versus Okada last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, so it's do. something that they, they've been doing in recent years. And, and, and you know, that, like I said, I mean, that has a chance. That'll be the kind of more of the kind of match like you were talking about. 30 minutes, uh, a lot of near falls. I mean, you know, Naito will do that. He, I just knew he wasn't going to do it in this spot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, match we had before this one, U.S. title, John Moxley defeating Minoru Suzuki to retain uh, the U.S. championship. Joe, what did you think of this, whatever this thing was? Because, man, this was the thing. That's a good, solid fight. That's what it was. A fucking good, fight, man. Solid God. fight. Moxley, the entire match is just screaming, come on, motherfucker. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. I was yeah. just like, my God. Like, just watching this with the volume up was just like, there's just grunts. There's just swearing. There's just slapping. Minoru was laughing. It was so like, 
it was just something, man. You know what? I, like anybody that ever said, like, and you still get those people that are like, oh, every New Japan match is the same thing back and forth. And I'm like, my God, like, watch this match. This is nothing like anything else you're going to get anywhere in the world. And if, you know, after this, you know, every match on the show was, was a little bit different. And we talk about, you know, Takahashi versus Ryu Lee was before, you know, this match or whatever. The last three matches in the show couldn't have been any diametrically different, you know, in the pro wrestling matches. But yeah, this is a fucking war. I, I love Minoru Suzuki bringing the chair to Moxley at the beginning, being like, all right, I got a chair, you got a chair, let's fucking go, man. Like, that part was pretty cool, and there's, you know, we're, we're breaking arms, we're stabbing people in the eye, we're kicking people, we're putting people through tables, we're smiling, like, it's just, this fucking rocked, man. This was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, uh, very good match. I liked it a little bit better than the main event, um, but it, it met my expectations in every way, because I this was the kind of match I was expecting and both guys delivered. So, um, awesome semi-main event. And, you know, at, at that point I stopped watching, but there were enough really good matches on this show to where, well, I guess spoiler alert for the next match we're going to review, but I didn't think there were any like truly great matches on this show, but at this point I thought there were a bunch of really good ones. Mm -hmm. And, and I was pretty confident that the main event was going to be really good at minimum. And it was, but to me, we just didn't have any great matches on the show. Yeah, that's fair. And I, the reason I really liked the show is I think there was a lot of like solid matches, like the Rich Crate special where I talk about, like, I would prefer every match be four stars, you know, that to me is a little bit better than, you know, two matches that reach five stars or a match that reach five stars. So, so that's why I really, really did enjoy this one. But uh, yeah, my, I, I, again, like <laughs> we'd have to reiterate it every single show, but like it, it boggles my fucking mind that John Moxie was a fucking rodeo clown squirting mustard at people, you know? How can yeah. you see this dude and his music hits and he's just the biggest fucking badass in the world on both on, on both in, in, in Asia, in America, his music hits and everybody just kind of there's just a buzz. And he comes out and he's the biggest fucking badass in the world. He saunters down to the ring. He does his match like the dude is a fucking mega star. It's yeah. like you have squirting mustard at people. Yeah. Come on. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I, didn't yeah. even, I didn't even make the connection that John Moxley and Kento were the final two guys in the show. And arguably had two of the best yeah. performances. Both guys exiled. Yeah, unbelievable. It's yeah, it's uh, I not yeah, I'm right there How with you. How do you see that guy and, and not think we? And again, we're not being oh, he's just because he's in New Japan. You guys think he's good. go back and listen to shows from 2015 where we're screaming about my God, do something with Dean Ambrose. He's a megastar. What are you doing? Go listen. The receipts are there. Uh, yeah, they're I mean, all we there. Thought, we <laughs> thought yeah, the, the receipts are there. We thought he'd be the guy of the three. I mean. Until they completely obliterate. Once he started oh, he wearing is. the white he beater, is, though. <laughs> that's the thing. He is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're them. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's once he started wearing the white beater and the jeans, it all changed. The whole dynamic changed. And um, you know, we've beaten that horse many times. Rich, can I take you on another mini diversion here? Oh, uh, absolutely. I'm ready. So I looked up the other Budokan Hall shows just from 2006. Okay. To give people an idea. Yeah. Um. January was Junakiyama versus Akira Tawe on top. They announced 16-8. Okay, so 16,800 With Kenta and Marafuji. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> with, with Kenta and Marafuji as the uh, semi-main for the junior title. Okay. Okay. They come, they come back in March and they do 16-6 for Junakiyama against Minoru Suzuki. Then they come back, and that also had a Kenta versus Kenta Kobashi match as well, third from the top. They come back in April, 
and announced 14-2, but that was that weird Junakiyama Maseo Inoue match. Remember that fucking um, where Inoue got that weird title shot? And there's a lot of weird people who think that was a great match, but oh, it wasn't. Right. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that didn't draw, but that's Maseo Inoue. I mean, they didn't think it was going to draw. They come back in July and they do 16 5 for Junakiyama and Masawa versus Kensuke Sasaki and, uh, and Takiyama. So they do 16 5 for a tag match. Okay. Then they come back in uh, September and. This is where Marafuji wins the title from Akiyama, and they announce 15-5. So right there, you can see the fan base was like, why the fuck is this junior getting a title shot? Okay, so there's no way there were 15-5 there. They rejected Marafuji even getting the shot to begin with. So then in October, a little over two months later is the match we were talking about where Marafuji defended against Kenta, and they announced 15,000. So the only Budokan Hall show all year where they announced less than that was the Maseo Inoue title challenge, which they I'm sure they didn't even expect to sell out. So that match uh, does the poor number, the, the Marafuji Kenta match, and they come back for the final Budokan Hall of the year in December, and that's the one where they immediately got the title off of Marafuji and they put it back on Masawa, and they announced 16-8 for that. So then the fans said, all right, Masawa's uh, challenging Marafuji. He's probably getting the title back. And they showed up for that one and packed the place. And then away you go from there. So that gives people a little context to what we're talking about. Okay, the second lowest number that they announced for the year was that Kenta Marafuji match. And the only worst house they did all year was for a Maseo Inoue title shot. So, and for all we know, that did more real fans than the Kenta Marafuji match right, did. Right. We, we don't know that, you know, because the, the 15,000 they announced for Kenta Marafuji, you know, was a face-saving number. Right, and to let you know, um, like, they didn't go, you know, <laughs> the title was immediately switched off and those guys were not in the main event. So, like, yes. yeah, all, all, that's that's the only number you need to know. Like, you know, quote-unquote number you need to know is that whatever it was, they decided this fucking sucks and we're getting away from this right away. So, yeah, when they had real, when they had strong title matches in Budokan that year, they were announcing 16-5 and up. And they announced 15000 for the Marafuji Kenta match. So um, that's the story of how Noah flirted with Marafuji and Kenta on top and quickly aborted that mission. Because remember, it wasn't just Marafuji and Kenta that bombed. Marafuji's title challenge and title win didn't do well either. Right. They didn't want. They didn't even want Marafuji getting a title shot. Right. Oh, I, I looked it up by the way. I went back to Masawa just in case people are gonna get all crazy. Yeah, Masawa. Then he. Oh, had I like just a, said that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah but he had like a 280 yeah. day run or some shit like that afterwards. They were just like, all right, Masawa, you just keep the title forever. Yeah. They they immediately um, in December went back to Masawa like six weeks later. So yeah, they, that was the Masawa Marafuji match, which was a really good match. Um. And yeah, they, so they just, and that was the problem. It's like they went back to Misawa, and even at the time, people said, "All right, yeah, this is going to be good for short term." But man, long term, you know, maybe they need to give these guys more rope. I mean, you know, because the, then there was no one coming up. You know, Morishima could have been, but that just didn't work out when it looked like he was going to be the next big thing in Japan when they were developing him at this time. And outside of Morishima. They just weren't 
developing yeah, the heavyweight next guys wrestlers. There. Yeah, the next guys weren't there. And, yeah, it was and it's Tanaguchi. always it's always gonna be tough too when, when you're in that shadow too. But yeah, it didn't help that they were yeah, it was Tanaguchi. <laughs> so you know, the, all their you know, Kenta and Marafuji and even Takashi Sugera at the time was a junior. You know, all their guys they were developing were they the were juniors. You know, and it's like Goshiozaki was the other one. And when they finally put the belt on Shiozaki a couple years later, Masawa dies. And it totally, like, um, I was going to say sucks the life. Bad turn of phrase. Yeah, uh, put, a, um, a, put a cloud of darkness, a shadow over the... Is probably that's the Shiozaki, and it's yeah. like, it, you know, and it's like, he his career was always snake bit, you know? And this isn't a show for it, but there's an entire series of events that you can look at with Goshiozaki where it was like, the guy's career and his push was just sneak. And, 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 and to be quite honest, I don't even know if Shiozaki ever would have had enough charisma to be that guy anyway. You know, I, I'm not sure about that. But that's really, it was Shiozaki, it was Morishima. And I mean, the only other heavyweight really at that time was Taniguchi. And we all know he was yeah. never going to be. <laughs> no. So anyway, that was uh, the Budokan Hall shows in 2006. There you go. Exactly. Why you came to this episode is to listen to Joe and Rich talk about new Noah in Budokan 2006. But that's what you get for the show. That's, you know, that's why people love us. So uh, move on now. Next match here was uh, Hiromu versus Ryu Lee uh, for the Junior Heavyweight Championship match. As you said, um, it went 23 minutes, 54 seconds. Hiromu wins, uh, retains the title. They did, they did not do my finish. They teased the Phoenix Plex, and, and the crowd went nuts when they teased it. Uh, but they were able to have, you know, he never hit it. Hiromu kind of squirmed out of it, got out of it, and uh, yeah, Hiromu did get the victory uh, over Ryu Lee. They uh, they did some customary trying to kill themselves. Like there w- there was a brief moment where I was like, ah, they're going to change this match up a little bit because they did the the, the strike sequence where they basically just slapped each other uh, for about five minutes straight. And I'm like, ah, you know what? They're going to take it a little bit easy. Uh, and then that was followed by Ryu Lee doing a suicide dive to Hiromu who was sitting on the guardrail. <laughs> so like they very quickly said, no, 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 we're still you know we're still Dragon Lee and Hiromu or, or, or Kamatachi and, and Dragon Lee, whatever you want to say. Uh, so we're still gonna do our customary stuff but yeah i thought i thought this was good not great i don't know if this is a match that I would consider like a match of the year level match but like a really really fun match that i enjoy the hell out of watching but it never really reached that like they, they've had better matches and they probably will have better matches in, in, in the future as well yeah i mean it was a, it was um a great match i think it was the best match on the show uh but by their standards this wasn't one of their top matches um i went four and a quarter which would be low end Eh, mid to low end for their matches that I've, that, you know, um, I, I credit them for working a different kind of match than they usually do. They really, this, this was paced differently mm-hmm. than their usual stuff. I think what really hurt it the most, if I could use that word is the finish really did feel flat. Um, I, I don't know if the fans were ready for the finish when it did come, uh, because they weren't, they, they weren't exactly at a fever pitch for the finish here. And I, so I don't know if they peaked the match at the right time in terms of where they placed the finish, but that's nerdy shit. I mean, yeah. oh, you know, no, I, I, was, I, I kind of agree. And, and the thing that I, that, that got me, you know, not to, not to interrupt or whatever, but they did, you know, they did the Phoenix plex and, and, and Hiromu would kind of squirm out of it or whatever. And then he just squirmed out of it, hit two time bombs and he won. And it was like, that's where I really think. Like, I know they didn't maybe want to do it or whatever, but I think that would have been the moment to try to hit that Phoenix Plex or do something, do it a little bit more. Put put Hiromu in some real danger and then have him come back from that as opposed to, like, he just kind of squirmed out of it and that was it. He was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I squirmed out of the move and then he hit his, his the time bomb and it was over. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't, they, they had it there. 
and they kind of missed something. It seemed to jump from like you know B to D right away. Like there, where was the C? Like there, it was you know I mean? like he was in danger. He was in danger. He was in danger. He squirmed out, then he hit two time bombs, and it was over. Exactly like you're saying. It was just kind of like oh all right, well okay cool. Like he won, but like yeah, where was there? There felt like there should have been a little bit more. Like there was a missing few minutes in there where where you know they didn't do that back and forth. Or that Hiromu really wasn't in danger, and and that maybe hurt the match a bit. Yeah, I I don't know. It was uh look, there's just such a high bar when these two get in there. You know? So um it's it's probably a little unfair, but um yeah, I thought it was uh I thought it was a great match, but I I I think they have better matches in them and I think they've they've definitely had better matches before. Absolutely. Um even in New Japan. So I thought the Fantastic Mania match where he sh- where Hiromu shut up as a as a surprise was a better match than this. And I thought um, there was one other match. I don't remember the show that they had in New Japan. I thought it was a better match than this, not the one with the injury. Um, so, um, but it's still, still, you know, great match. Yeah. The baseline for these guys is like still great. <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of how great yeah. does it go. And, and, and yeah, they've had greater, they've been greater. But uh, speaking of not great, Joe, Jay White and Sonata, 21 minutes and 52 seconds. What a fucking waste of my life this match was. Fuck these guys for wasting 21 minutes of my goddamn life. I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't like it either. Garbage. Um, very boring, number one. Uh, very dull. You know, they missed, they blew a couple spots towards the end of the match. There's the one hilarious gif going around where it basically drops him on his head. Um, yeah, I mean, just a ton of fucking shenanigans. Uh, I just could never get into this, you know? And that's what's going to happen sometimes with both Sonata and Jay White. This was a match with both of them, and it was like the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they could have a good match against each other, but this it was, was every not bad it. habit. It was this. every bad habit of Jay White, every bad habit of Sonata, every bad habit of Gato, just all lumped into one, <laughs> you know, twenty plus minute package or whatever. Like I, I noted that in my review too, that like Gato grabbed Sonata's legs like three times, and like the third time I was like, all right, what are we doing here? You know, and it, like I get that spot doing it once, where you know, a guy bounces off the ropes and the heel grabs his leg, but he did it like three. I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? Like, let's go home then. If that's what we're on, if we're on, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna grab your leg another time. Like, let, let's fucking go home then. Like, you know, let's let's make this a 13 minute match. Get in and out of here. Do our bullshit and move on. Like, if you're gonna be doing and repeating you know, like generic heel manager spots, like let's just fucking move on with our lives then. If this is what we're gonna do, yeah, just garbage. Yeah, there was just. I didn't think there was anything to like about this. You know, it was just, uh, just lame. Yeah. It seemed to be polarizing. There seemed to be some people that really enjoyed it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if it's this thing where like people assume that like, ah, heat because like they're doing things that get heat, but it's like, you know, if nobody cares, nobody in the arena seems to give two shits. And ultimately like there's no lasting impact of a match. And there's no lasting impact. Like, is it really? It's it's like the Baron Corbin thing where it's like, ah, oh, he's getting heat, but it's like nobody goes to watch him. It's not heat then. Like nobody gives a shit. If like like we we sort of and and I think this is we're, we're, a lot of people are guilty of this, and, and I'm saying we probably do the same thing as well. Is that we sort of assume that when somebody does something in a wrestling match that it's good, and and you've always said that too. Like telling a story is only as good as like the reaction it's getting or or, or the money it's drawing. Like a good story needs that context. It can't just be, oh, that's a good wrestling story they're doing. It's like, okay, but no, like it, you know, you can tell a story in the ring, but if it's the story sucks, like, you know, what is it, what are you doing? You can tell a story in a match, but if the story stinks, 
like, what are you doing? And I think a lot of people bought into like, oh, well, it's it's good heel heat. And yeah, Gato's getting heat and Jay White's getting heat or whatever. But it's like, is he? Because no one seems to give him two shits. Like, nobody really cares. And then I thought, interestingly enough, like, Jay White just fucking hits a Blade Runner and beats him. And like, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Like, Sonata didn't seem any better off for it. Jay White didn't seem any better off. Like, ultimately, like, who accomplished what in this match? Who will, who will ever remember anything from this match? Well, we're going to get more of these two is what's going to happen. Oh. I mean, that, that's right. what this is leading up to. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, but I'm with you. I didn't think this had any kind of special, I didn't feel like the crowd was red hot for this or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't, I just found the antics annoying and I didn't, I didn't find the match compelling or interesting in any way. I, I just, it felt like it was seven hours long. Um, they did the time call for 20 minutes. It felt like it was like the 75th minute. It just, it was endless. It was endless. It was dull. It was boring. Uh, there was too much bullshit. You know, the, the Naito Kenta match, you knew it was coming too, but it came once and, you know, Naito dispatched him or whatever. And that was that, you know, they didn't constantly go back to it a million times. And it's like, sometimes that works. Like the G1 final is an example. That's getting heat. Well, yeah, because and, and that's I'll give credit to Kotobushi as well. But yeah, that that's when Jay White works. The heat is these that entire arena could not wait to see Jay White get his ass kicked. They couldn't wait for Kotobushi to fucking kick this guy and knock him out and win this G one. They couldn't wait for it. And yeah, that's when it works. It doesn't work yeah. when the crowd's like you know making you know no noise whatsoever for Sonata to do his boring ass offense. You know nobody gives a shit. So I'll, 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 it's not all Jay White. Like Jay White's doing his little heat stuff, but I, I'll put it, I'll put it on Sonata too. Like you said, it was the worst of both guys. It was all of their bad habits all put into one. Yeah, yeah. It just none of it. It just it was a perfect storm of shit, and none of it worked. Um, you know, if it if it had gotten heat, then then yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's then we could say, all right, well, we didn't like it, but I didn't feel like this match was like super over in front of that crowd. I didn't feel like people were incensed at Bullet Club was getting one no. over on Sonata. I didn't no, get that no. feeling at all. Like, like, you know, I know G1's a, that G1 final is a special case because it was mega, mega heat on a different level. But, you know, that's a situation where Jay White shit got some serious heat. The, this, I don't think, was, was a good example of that. So, and on top of that, it was just dull. And I, you know, the work was fine, but at points it was sloppy. Um, and there just wasn't much to like here at all. Uh, you well, I, I will say this: it had a, it had a pretty good closing stretch after the little mini botch. You know, and, and the crowd did get into it at that point, but um, not a match I would ever reli- want to relive. Or oh, and when these yeah, guys, hell, <laughs> I mean, there's talk that they, this could be. There's talk this could be the 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 new Japan cup final, you know, and, and, um, or, or, you know, so it's like, I, I think they have a good match in them. I do. I just thought this did not work. Uh, we'll quickly go over the rest of the show here because I don't know if there was a ton that really stood out for the rest. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the opener and kind of work our way uh, uh, through here. This was uh, Minamu Nakanishi's final match, Osaka Joe Hall. It was uh, Tanzan, Kojima, Nagata, Nakanishi versus uh, Taguchi, Hanare, Hanma, Makabe. Any thoughts on this one? Uh, what is this now? The opener you're talking the opener. about? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll just circle back to the opener and, and do our last four matches in, in the order. 
No, I don't have any thoughts, but he's, you know, you've seen this match a thousand times. Exactly, yeah. Nakanishi went off the top rope, kind of, <laughs> you know, to do a chop. So I guess, you know, there was that. But, you know, he, he cut the promo afterwards saying, you know, hey, I have a few more matches left to go. Thank you for sticking with me. You know, when I, I did, like he said, you know, I debuted in Osaka. You know, I debuted in Osaka and I was horrible. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's good. You know, that's that's fun. But, you know, because I think it was something where you've, like. You've come full circle. You've come full circle. <laughs> right, yeah, right. That's kind of what I was like. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's. Thank God you're not horrible anymore. Like, yeah, it's 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 time to go for Nakashi. Yeah. So enjoy Kurosawa. Enjoy your retirement. Uh, Rapongi 3K versus uh, Suzuki Gunas for the uh, Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Uh, Kanemaru and Desperado, of course, the Suzuki Gun team showing yo Rapongi 3K. I thought well worked. Pretty fun match. I enjoyed. Not like a spectacular match on any level, but I thought pretty good work. Uh, show kind of you know selling his knee the entire time and and god man Kanemaru and Desperado just being like fucking wolves man they didn't they didn't let this guy stand for one fucking second without chop blocking him or kicking him or or drop kicking him like any moment that you're like ah show standing all of a sudden here comes Kanemaru from out of out of the screen you know with a drop kick to the side of show's knee like they were working so well on show's knee that I was like dude that guy might legit have a fucking knee injury after this match the way those guys are just attacking it and attacking it and attacking it so I thought show did a tremendous job of uh, of selling but Suzuki Goon man yeah Kanemaru and Desperado just like fucking wolves smelling blood man on that knee they were just attacking the hell out of that thing the entire match but not like a spectacular match on any level but but i enjoyed it this is my third favorite match on the show i really liked it a lot um i love the despy kanamoro team and i thought they were really on fire here for some of the reasons that you said and um i, I enjoyed the fuck out of this that's what i mean i thought between this match and I thought Okada and Osprey versus Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. was a good, you know, little mid-card tag match. Then the abomination with White and Sonata. But then when you had the junior title match and the U.S. title match, there were like four really solid matches on this show before I got to the main event. I was like, this is a good little show, but nothing is great. Um, there's no match of the year contenders here. But uh, yeah, this was my third favorite match in the show. I really liked it. Uh, then you had the uh, eight-man tag here, Abushi. Uh, Tanahashi, Finley, and Robinson versus uh, Chase Owens, Yujiro, uh, and then God, of course, uh, in there as well. So the match itself, I don't know if there's anything that really stood out to me, match itself, but I did think the post-match, uh, making it clear that Ibushi and Tanahashi want to go for the uh, tag team titles, basically asking Finley and Juice, hey, do you mind if we just like totally skip you guys in the pecking order and get these tag title shots? And then Finley and Juice, being the geeks they are, we're just like, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? So like, uh, cool. I mean, th- this is I think this is the big story coming out of this match more than anything is is something that we have been screaming about for years and years and years and years is that if you're not gonna if you're gonna choose to book this tag division the way it's gonna be booked and not really give it effort or really care too much about it, like the best thing to do to turn this thing around and to make it an actual draw championship which it could absolutely be and it needs to be this year as well for reasons i think you're going to explain here in a bit tanashi and abushi going for those tag team titles hopefully winning those tag team titles would do so much to 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 complete transform and revitalize that tag division that it's just gotten so stale and so boring over the years yeah so with the intercontinental title tied up and you know the top two titles on the same guy and that guy isn't going to lose either of those titles for a while nor should he 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 should keep winning matches for now Okay, when you look at that, they they need another title to step up into a drawing position, especially with the amount of shows they're running. When you look at Moxley as the U.S. champion who can't wrestle in America, okay, that's another uh, you know top title taken off the table in one of their markets. So it's the perfect time to elevate the tag team titles into a drawing title, which it hasn't been used as in years, many years. 
since the tag team title has been used as a serious drawing title. Uh, yeah, it headlined the New Beginning USA Tour, but we're talking about a what, what was that, an 800-seat building. You know, so I'm talking headlining real uh, shows in real buildings. And the way to do that is to put those titles on stars. And Tanahashi and Ibushi are two guys who really aren't involved in anything else right now. So it's a great idea to put them together as a team, put those tag team titles on them, and you can headline shows with Tanahashi and Ibushi title defenses. So they're going to get their title match in a couple days. So they're doing four straight days in Cork and Hall. The 19th, this is all uh, February. The 19th is the Tiger Hattori retirement show. I feel like this guy's had 19 retirement shows. I was going to say, yeah, when they, when they said uh, Tiger, Tiger Hattori is signing off on his career, I was like, what? I thought that happened like last November. Like this fucking guy. Like, I love it. Can we give this fucking guy his watch and fucking shove him <laughs> off already? I mean, geez. So uh, February 19th will be the Tiger Hattori retirement with the eight-man tag on top. A uh, six-man tag, sorry. Uh, Goto, Ishii, and Okada versus Naito, Shingo, and Sonata. The next day on the 20th, they're doing uh, Shingo versus Ishii for the Never title, Cork and Hall. That's going to blow the fucking roof off the building. And the semi-main are doing Rapongi 3K versus the Mega Coaches. We didn't talk about that, but Taguchi and Rocky Romero are the next challengers for Rapongi 3K. They're doing that in Cork. And on the 21st, they're doing Gorillas of Destiny versus Tanahashi and Ibushi. And I would be stunned if Tanahashi and Ibushi don't win the titles from, from Girls of Destiny on the 21st. Right. It and, makes that uh, title switch. It makes that title switch make a lot more sense, too. That they, they realized maybe and, and, and smartly realized, hey, we need these things to draw. You know, we're going to need these for big shows. So sorry, Finn Juice. Like, you're losing the title. Like, because they don't want, obviously, you know, they don't want Tanahashi and Ibushi losing to Finn Juice, but like, God loses nothing. You know, if they lose to Finn Juice, if they have this, you know, random title reign for 30 days or whatever the hell it's going to be, it won't matter whatsoever. So I think, you know, now in retrospect, the story makes a lot of sense. Maybe I wouldn't have done Finley and Juice, you know, even winning the titles in the first place. But if they wanted to have them have a little fun reign or whatever, that's that's fine. You can do that. But now it makes all the sense in the world that 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 somewhere along the line, they realize, look, we're not going to get this IC title to draw on its own. So let's just do, you know. Tanashi Nabushi winning this title and, and and yeah it's like it's something they should have been years ago like I I honestly forever thought that like if Okada's not doing anything if if, if Tanahashi's not doing anything if these guys these secondary guys or these main eventers are just not doing anything like get them in a tag team together and, and win these titles and and draw with this thing man do something I mean years and years and years of history are on your side where you can draw with these tag team titles like why you choose to just not care about it whatsoever I get it like not everybody's great at everything like some guys are just not good at certain titles or good at certain divisions or whatever but it always just seemed like a total wasted opportunity uh, for these tag team titles. So I'm glad to see them finally, 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 you know, turn the page a little bit with this. So yeah, well now there's a need for it, and, and you know, you you could just this this will work. Um, you know, and and as far as Finn Juice winning the titles and people wondering why, I mean, I don't, I think people are thinking too hard. I think they just like doing title changes at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, it's I don't think it's any deeper than that. So um, you know, it's not a big deal. I mean, I guess you could make the argument. Well, it would be better for Tanahashi and Ibushi to end the long, dominant title reign of Girls of Destiny. But did anybody view their title reign as that? You know, it was long and it was dominant, but no one was really, it's not like it's some kind of hot title reign that Tanahashi and Ibushi are going to benefit from ending. I didn't see it as that. So I don't even think that's that big a deal. Um, You know, I, I think they just wanted to do a title change at Wrestle Kingdom, and I think they wanted to headline the American tour with that title match. That's all. I don't, I think anything else is reading too much into it, 
but there'll also be a never open weight uh, six man title match on that same show. These are pretty loaded corks. They're really good. Yeah, they're really really good corking shows coming up. So, so it'll be Lij against Yano, Colt, and Taguchi. So Taguchi is getting back to back title shots on two nights, <laughs> which is interesting. And then the final show, the fourth show, is the uh, Nakanishi retirement. So it's Nagata, Kojima, Tenzan, and Nakanishi versus Goto, Abushi, Tanahashi, and Okada. So an all-star team on the other side. Um, so those are the four shows, and that show's obviously going to do well, being a retirement show. you know. And they loaded up uh, the others. So, well, the Hattori retirement's not really a loaded show, but the other two, you know, there's four title matches in two nights. I mean, how great is Ishii versus Shingo going to be in Cork and Hall? Oh, dude, event yeah. Oh, title? my God, yeah. Fucking great. That's going to be fucking, yeah, incredible. So um, that's coming up uh, next week, starting on the 19th. 19th through the 22nd, four straight days. They just did three straight days in Cork, and they're doing four straight days in, in February. So they're really pounding that building. They put nothing on those shows last week, though, and they didn't draw either. I mean, one of them did like 1,100. You know, the other two did a little better, but... You know, they basically just did a bunch of tags and they put elimination matches on top. And, you know, they paid the price. But um, they're really loading these four up. And I saw some people suggest that maybe they loaded these up because they did poorly last month. But that's not how they operate. I don't think they give a shit that they didn't draw that well um, for those three Corican shows. And I think this would have been the plan anyway. I don't think they're taking money matches off of other shows to draw 200 extra people. Right, right. They're not cork. they're not that yeah. company that needs to freak out over over, you know, each no. cork in attendance that they get. It's like, "All right, whatever. We'll be back there next week and do, you know, <laughs> you know, X amount or whatever, It'd be perfectly fine." Like Yeah, it's it's not that big a deal. And I think four straight nights is tough though, but there's it's clear that they want these shows to draw though based on the lineups. Yeah, right, right. You know, but but it won't be easy. You know, I think there's a chance one or two of them don't do well uh, because that's a lot to ask. You know, it really is a lot to ask of those Tokyo fans to show up four nights in a row. Yeah, you got to pick and uh, choose. You're going to have to pick and choose, especially given, you know, how much, again, that building just gets run so much, too, that, like, yeah, especially when four nights in one company has got to be tough to anybody to, you know, try to do it. I know what I'm thinking. I'm picking, I'm picking the second and third. I mean, you know, I, I want to see those title matches. You don't want to bid, bid farewell to Tiger Hattori? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, look, I we talked about this with Liger. I'm not real sentimental in that way when it comes to stuff like that. I don't know. It's like I appreciate Tiger Hattori and Nakanishi, you know, but it's not like I, I, I don't know. I, I I Whenever I talk about this stuff, I come off cold, and I don't mean to come off cold. Like It's not like, ah, fuck those guys. Hit the bricks. But it's it's also not a thing where I'm like sad about it. It's just is what it is. You get old, it's an athletic endeavor, you gotta retire. I mean, I don't know. I don't wanna see Nakanishi out there looking like he's in pain. Right, right. I'd rather see him retire. And I'll watch the show and I'll you know, I'll I'll but it's like it's a cool moment. You know, like if you were if you were a big fan of that guy, I don't know. I I can't imagine there's too many like yeah. huge fans of Nakanishi. But like yeah, you would want to be there for that moment or whatever because it's cool to to kind of send off one of your favorites or whatever. But yeah, if it's like you know if it's you and it's Nakanishi, it's like all right, like fine, you know, have fun, you know. <laughs> sure, but at the same time, it's like okay, would I be more into a Satoshi Kojima retirement show? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, if he's 58 years old and on his last legs, it's like, I don't see it as something sad. I don't know if I'm coming across the way I'm trying to come across. I, I know what you're saying, but yeah, people probably think you're being an asshole. Yes, yeah, people think that anyway, no matter what you say. But yeah. That, 
but I'm not, I, I don't mean it in like a cold, heartless way. I just mean it in a, I see these send-offs as a good thing. I don't see them as, I'm going to be crying because I'm never going to see Jushin Liger again. And I'm not knocking anyone who, it it was emotional for them. But it just, these things aren't emotional for me in the in, in those ways. I, I don't know. But, yeah, um, I, I, I get you, for sure. Uh, one more match, too, that we'll, we'll just briefly touch on here. Osprey and Okada. Uh, defeating Saber and and Taichi, so mostly just building to Saber and, and Osprey happening uh, as we record this on on the, the upcoming Friday on Valentine's Day uh, on the fourteenth, and then Okada and Taichi just like playing out the strings of their feud, so that uh, you know not too much there. I th- this was a f- fine match, but yeah, I have no thoughts about it. See, I thought it was really good. I mean, I didn't think it was like a notebook match or anything, but I thought it was close. You know, I thought you know three and a half, three and three quarters somewhere in there, and I thought it was a good solid mid-card match for this show. Again, the only thing this show was lacking match of the year contender. And I think there were three or four matches that could have hit that level. They just didn't, you know, and that's the way it goes. There was really only one match that totally shit the bed and that was White and Sonata. You know, everything else was met expectations or, or well, I guess Hiromu and Lee didn't meet expectations, but it was a great fucking match. I mean, so I can't knock it. All right, let's move into uh, to America here with NXT TakeOver Portland. Joe, yes, there is a TakeOver this weekend, and for some reason it's on a Sunday. And I will probably – I am probably going to say Saturday at some point in this preview because I cannot wrap my head around TakeOver taking place on a Sunday. But it's taking place this Sunday, the 16th, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, overall thoughts on on the build towards this TakeOver before we kind of talk about this, this card because I feel, unfortunately, like this is going to be – Every single one of the NXT TakeOver previews we do, but we always say, no, this one, like, I know we say it every time, Joe, but this build has been bad, or hey, this build doesn't feel good, but the card, like, on paper, the card looks fucking incredible. The card looks awesome. But, Joe, the build, I haven't really loved the build at all. Like, I don't think it's been very good. But what, what do you think overall before before I, I, I kind of touch on it and, and maybe we go match by match here? I The TV, epi- the go-home TV was so cold. Oh, dude, my, Joe, that's the... The Adam Cole chop a face off at the end of that show. Yeah. That was like one of the more embarrassing. Like there's like 10 people being like, Adam Cole. <laughs> and they're staring at each other. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And then it fades to black. I'm like, oh, okay. That was it. All right. Like I'm waiting for like something to happen where the crowd goes nuts. It ends with like two guys being like, Adam Cole. <laughs> As it fades to black. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. That's not good. Well, it's a huge red flag when it's full sale because everything is over in full sale. And man, that match feels cold. I didn't think they did a particularly good job building the rest of the card on it. And it just wasn't a great night full sale overall. No, it, wasn't it, a was very a bad, it was a bad show. It was a bad go home show for sure. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't a great show to begin with. And the crowd wasn't really hot for anything. And, uh, you know, this doesn't feel like a hot takeover at all. I'm sure it'll be good. They're it's always good. Fucking great. <laughs> the card is incredible. <laughs> They're always good, you know, but it's like, I- I'm curious what kind of business it'll do. What building are they in? Uh, the Moda Center, which I believe the uh, the home of the Blazers. So the former Rose Garden. This is a big basketball building. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. I mean... Based on just old school, how does the build feel? I, I feel like I, I haven't seen it advance, but doesn't feel like a show that's going to like sell the building out. Um, and if this were a pay-per-view, I wouldn't be too excited about its prospects as far as doing big pay-per-view numbers because it just feels cold. 
uh, you had noted earlier in the week when you screwed up the day of the week. I, I couldn't tell if you did that on purpose or not, but it looks like you didn't. You genuinely didn't know whether it was Saturday or Sunday, but you had said, you know, how many people know there's a takeover. I watch and review the show every week, and I'll be completely honest. I wasn't positive it was this weekend. Right. I wasn't either. And, and like, people, I, I watch it every week, too, because we had, like, the people being like, all right, the people that watch Takeover know it's this week. And I'm like, you dumb, dumbasses. I know. I watch it every single week. But, like, that's the point I'm trying to make is that, like, first instinct is like, oh, really? Like, that. that's I, I, the, the reason for the question. I absolutely did get the date wrong. I did not know it was on a Sunday, which I think speaks to it as well. I'm not trying to be obtuse. I'm not trying to be dumb or whatever. I honestly thought it was on a Saturday, and, and rightfully so. I mean, Takeover's around Saturdays. That's, that's kind of the way it go but like that it's on first like i just wanted that initial reaction of like oh huh yeah it is this weekend huh like because that's what it is like maybe when you think about it a little bit you're like oh yeah it is it is this sunday but like on first reaction when i say hey there's a takeover this saturday on you know tuesday or whenever i tweeted that tuesday or monday or tuesday or whatever the initial reaction isn't oh yeah of course there's a takeover this weekend it was kind of and we got a lot of responses that were like oh yeah yeah that is this weekend isn't it and i think that speaks to it that it is kind of just this weird afterthought i don't know if it's because it's not on a weekend with another WWE show i don't know if it's not because you know worlds collide was just a few weeks ago and that felt like a show they were building to a lot or that like some of the main feuds are seeming like they're kind of built for other shows or they're kind of peaking every single week on tv to try to go for the ratings but for whatever reason this just seems like a random ass takeover just lumped into the middle of the calendar with no real reason for existing and I don't know. Yeah, on it, it, it's just yeah. The buzz around it is 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 nothing, man. We can't get anybody to preview it. No one's really talking about it. And it's like NXT is on weekly TV, man. <laughs> on USA every single week. Like we should be like salivating for these shows. And it's just like you know, it's happening. It looks great on paper. It looks great, but like, what's the real anticipation or what's the real buzz for the show? Other than you're gonna sit down and it's gonna probably be a pretty good show because that's what takeovers are. That that kind of speaks to NXT in general, though, because that's kind of how I feel about NXT in general. It's like, yeah, good show. I mean, you turn it off, and then you never, ever think about it ever again. Like, nothing stands out anymore. Nothing has that that feel anymore about TakeOver. Nothing, you know, NXT doesn't have that that emotion, that feel, that buy-in that it felt like it used to have. It's just, like, a show that exists, and it's usually pretty good. But, you know? You just... What do you say about it? Like, you know? Well, you just want to see good matches that are relatively soulless, is basically... You know, you're not going to be... Are you going to be super invested in any of this, or um, probably not? But you just want to sit down. And it's kind of like worlds collide. I mean, we weren't super positive about that build either. We were negative, flat out negative on the build. But then we watched the show, and we both really liked it because the matches were really good. Yeah. And it's like that's what's going to happen here. Oh, absolutely! I mean, it's going to be great. <laughs> I think it's going to be a really good show. But yeah. You know, it's it's Cole Champa. Mm. I mean, that might be a little too much of the melodrama, and it might annoy me, or it might be really fucking good. You know, there's a good chance it's going to be really good, but that one at least has a chance to annoy me because I'm kind of over Tommaso Champa. I can't take that guy. Um, I'm to the point where I fast forward his promos. I just he's he's it's too overbearing with him. I just have no interest. In anything he has to say. It's just always so thick. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, it's always so... I, I don't have to describe it. Just every, everything is always so over-the-top dramatic with that. Right, guy. right, right. And I just... For it. Yeah, I have, no, no, I have just, no buy into the character. Because the character right now is, you know, everything was taken away from me. I was hurt. Now I'm, you know, I... I, I and like... 
you know, I'm going to get back what was always mine because I was hurt and it was taken from me. Here's the problem but, with that. Like, I got a problem with that, though. He was the asshole in the heel in that scenario. Exactly. Right, right. So why am I supposed to feel bad for you that you lost everything? Right, you were I a was fucking some... heinous asshole that killed your best friend. Like, literally it's attempted to kill your you best friend. Everything. Yeah, I was like, fuck you, get out of here. Like, in, 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 in storyline and in character-wise, you should say, good, I'm glad that guy got hurt. I'm glad that asshole, you know, like, of course, I'm not saying that to a real person, but, like, you should, in, in, in story-wise and kayfabe-wise, be like, no, this guy tried to kill Johnny Gargano for months and turned his back on him and, and did all this and did, you know, yada, 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 and, and he got what's coming to him. You know, he got hurt or whatever. Like, that's kind of how you're supposed to feel about it but they've just kind of whitewashed it and been like you know this guy got hurt and now he wants to get his title back and it's like okay but like you know the idea is that karma caught up with him that's what it should be like you know that's what you get for being a piece of shit right but no it's like this is like a baby face thing it's weird it's just weird you know and um and i don't know but uh, do you want to go down the rest of the matches or? Yeah, let, let, let's do that. So that's kind of overall thoughts. But let's we'll, we'll start out here. Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic for the NXT North American Championship. They're going to play it back. The old PWG stuff. I'm sure they're going to do a lot of crazy shit. Mauro and I was going to lose his goddamn mind during a lot of this. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like the build is kind of just <laughs> Ben Mark Henry talking about how big these guys are. And I guess that's cool. But like, you know, I was never I was I'll be honest. I was never as high on as, as some people were on those matches. I liked them, but I didn't really think that they were like these tremendous, like, you know, transformative matches that, that, that some people thought. Like, I literally saw one of them live and it was a really good match. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like this unbelievable. Oh, my God, I can't believe I just saw that match. So some people might be more excited for this one than I am. I'm maybe not the guy, but I don't know. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fun. But like, I'm not the right guy because I, I, I didn't even think at their peak, their PWG stuff was all that that interesting to me. So. I am that guy. My hand is raised. I love everything they've ever done with each other, including the NXT series, which I think have been the best matches on NXT TV since USA. Um, I love those matches. I reviewed them behind the paywall. Everybody listening knows I love those matches. Um, and I think that they're going to go even harder since it's a takeover. I love the idea of these two gigantic fucking brutes doing shit that cruiserweights should be doing. I, I love their matches are basically a series of spots done. It's like they're doing cruiserweight spots to each other, but paced, but with a heavyweight pace. And I love it. I love that shit. And when they need to, they could add the oomph of being very large men and destroying each other's bodies through sheer force as well. So I love the matches that they've had. I love the matches they've had in NXT on TV. And I think that this one is set up. I think they've got some tricks left up, up their sleeve. And, and look, I get people like you and others who are like, I can't really get into this. It's just a collection of spots. I don't mind it though. I, I think what they do is so unique. And I think that they have matches with each other that I don't think two other humans can like, these are the only two guys that can have these matches with each other. Um, and and I think it's unique, and I love the the craziness of the spots that they pull off, and um, I think because it's paced in such a way where it's not just go go go, that the fact that they're really just collect a collection of spots strung together works. So I am absolutely looking forward to this uh, more than any other match on the show. Uh, so this is a match that I think I'm looking forward to more than most people probably are. Uh, street fight, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. 
I was super into this until this week. Now it sucked the juice out of it for me, and they gotta they gotta win me back. I I don't know. The the the, the Candice Kai match was so bad. That match was so boring this week. And then and then they did the post match angle, and it's like I almost feel like they've strung this along for too long. I feel like they didn't peak the feud properly. Well, yeah. What was I that one like they, match? What was the one match that they had? Like, why did they have that? They match? did have one match. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like I remember the last big show. I thought they were going to do it there and they didn't, I, whether it was worlds collide or the other takeover, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it's just taken too long to get here and it's lost a little bit of juice for me. Cause I was with you. I was all in on this, on this feud. I thought they were doing a good job. I don't know. This week's TV and just everything about it just sucked a lot of life out of me for a lot of these uh, matches. That's fair. Yeah, I, I'm still into this a little bit because I think they're 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 pretty good and and I've liked the feud so far. The the random match is kind of annoying. I don't know why it even happened because yeah, I would have I would have just not done that match and peak everything for this match uh, in particular. But you know they they chose to do it this way, which is 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 whatever. But uh, no, I'm still looking forward to this and I think in a street fight is a good good opportunity for these two to because the problem is they had a TV match and it was like it went like eight minutes and like nothing big happened. Like they they really I don't know why that match existed. I was so upset when I saw that match and it was just like that's how you're gonna blow this feud off. And then they just came right back and then now they're they're acting like that match maybe even never happened or what. It's it's a little they strange in that with, sense. Okay, no no no. They did the match a couple weeks ago on TV, but they had they did the finish with the knee brace. So it was like a, a revenge finish for Knox, remember? Right. Um, so yeah, it was weird though. But that's like, the end then. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like you, like she beat her. The yeah. revenge. The re- revenge is, is done. She hit her with the knee brace, and then um, I don't think that was the. She may have hit the shiniest wizard too. I think she did too. Yeah. But um, that's a WWE match. You got to hit that finish, Rich. Um, but but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. They did a did the weird match on TV a few weeks ago, and I feel like. They just didn't peak it properly, but uh, you know, it, it, it has a chance to be really good. I'm just down on it right now. That's fair. Yeah, that's you know, I I enjoyed it a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it says um, that Candice Dakota match was was not only terrible, but Moro was so fucking annoying during that match. Yeah, Joe, the the fra- I could Dakota Kai, who many people are now calling Dakota Y. I, I turned it. I turned it off. I was like, I'll come back a little bit. I needed like I needed space from that line, and then he just called Candace Tenacious C like eight times, and I was like, I I can't Ugh. I can't turn it off. Like you know what I mean? Like if I'm gonna watch the show, if I'm gonna get through the show, I gotta blow through these moments. I gotta blow through these more moments. But, and then I think was it Dakota Kai who who like her nose got busted open? And he's like Dakota's you know nose is leaking like a or Tegan's nose is leaking like a a, a political document or something. Like what are we doing? Ugh. So bad. And I was like I because I, I usually just like pause it and just like cleanse myself and just go okay get back in and just just rich. It's the only way to watch this. I would I would die for a no commentary option on the WWE Network. Die for a no commentary option. Or God, it's on US. I'm, I'm watching a DVR in USA, so I can't even do that. Fuck. All right. Well, I don't know. Just I guess stop being bad. But anyway, I'm into it a little bit more. Um, the undisputed era defending their tag team titles against the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. What do you think of the uh, Buddy Cop, uh, Matt Riddle, Pete Dunne stuff? That was, I guess, the go home build for this match. I like it. I I you enjoyed know? it. I did too. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where most people might think, ah, oh, Joe's gonna hate that. But I think they have really good chemistry, and I think it's. 
I laughed. Like, like WWE does comedy so, like, most of comedy fucking stinks and it's not funny at all. Yeah. You know, one person in the world finds it funny. This shit I, thought, I found kind of funny. I, that, like, you know, Matt Riddle being like, oh, bro, bro, let me talk to the cops. And then they cut to, like, you know, the, the thing getting towed and <laughs> be done looking at him. I was like, all right, that's good stuff. Done. And Dunn is such a great straight man. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah, these guys, honestly, they should tell these guys, like, they should get these guys off TV for, like, a few months and just record this shit for the network. You know, just do, like, do, yeah. like, they could make this a weekly show. It, it's, 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 like, on paper, it looks dumb. Explaining it, like, in a review, like I tried to do today, it sounds dumb. But when you watch it, they have a really good chemistry and it works. And it's it's not like hilarious belly laugh funny, but it's amusing. It's like it's so dumb that it's funny. I don't know. It's it's it works. It it, it really works. I think they have something there. And um, you know those those series of skits they did this week were they were really dumb, but they worked. You know, it if it was anyone though. other than those two, but it's those. It's yeah, like Matt like, Riddle. Yeah. You buy like Matt Riddle should do dumb shit, like them in the paddle boat or whatever. Yes. They're in like this, you know, duck boat or whatever, a goose boat or whatever, and then like you know, it, it's like a paddle boat or whatever, and like um, you know, Matt Riddle or, or Pete Dunn's like, so that's your plan. We're gonna you know, take this boat all the way to Portland. He's like, no, bro, this is just where I go to think. And I was like, yeah. like you would buy that. That Matt Riddle's like, oh, here we go, here we go, let's go. Like he's just like he he's Matt Riddle. He just gets really high and does dumb stuff like. And, and yeah. Pete Dunn just goes along with it. And then, yeah, I, I, I liked it, too. I thought it was actually pretty solid. So I was hoping you said you liked it, too. I was hoping you didn't bury it. And I go, oh. No, it's, 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 it's amusing. You know, when, he, when he's, like, trying to teach him how to drive, he's like, this is in London. We drive on the right side of the road. And Dunn's like, I'm not even from London. <laughs> right, you know? right. And it doesn't, it doesn't, and that's what I mean. It doesn't sound funny. But it was. It worked for them. It's but better the, when they do the, it. Yeah. The way they deliver it, it's, it's, it's genuinely funny. You know, it's it's they're just they're they're it's it's a perfect match for the the goofiness that they're doing. Right, that Matt Riddle won't let this trophy go. Like he needs to bring it with them. He says the three of us need to go and do this or whatever. It's like yes, yes, Yeah, he can't just yeah. like leave it's, the trophy or have somebody else bring the trophy. He's like, no, man, we gotta all three of us gotta get to Portland or whatever. So it's it's you know, right. I enjoyed it. So I don't know if it's like an effective build to the Undisputed Era match, but you know, I hope they win. <laughs> but hey, whatever, you know. And that'll be great. That match should be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. You know, that's probably, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of matches here that have a chance to be, it's a takeover show. It's There's a, a lot of matches show. that have a chance <laughs> to be the best match on the show. And that's definitely one of them. These NXT, look, NXT tag matches in particular are always pretty fucking great. You know, there's a legacy, a long legacy of great tag team title matches in NXT. And this should be another one. Uh, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky with Finn, but I really like the Dragunov match. He does bring something different to the table in NXT. He's not, he doesn't work your typical NXT style of match. Right. You know, and and I think that works. The thing about it is, I want to see him, why is he there if he's not on top? I mean, we got to get him involved in the title program at some point, but how do you do that if he's a heel and Cole's a heel? I'm turning their back on Cole anytime soon, unless they're moving him up. And if they move him up, they have to move the Undisputed Era up. And if you move Undisputed Era up, who are the heels? Right, right. You've got Finn Balor and what? 
right? It's like Undisputed Era stirs the whole drink in that in that brand. You know, so it's like, so how do you get Finn Balor into the title mix as a heel? I don't know how you do that. But it feels like he's underutilized, right? You hardly ever see him on TV. Um, like, why is he there if you're not going to push him to the top? So it's kind of weird from that standpoint. Yeah, he doesn't feel like an effective, like, ratings mover either because they, like, like – They never use him. Right. Like, he, he appeared the one time and they're like, hey, Finn Balor's here. And now, like, you kind of forget that Finn Balor's there because it's not like they tell you, hey, Finn Balor's going to be on the show, so make sure you're watching it this week. Like – Sometimes he might show up, but a lot of times he doesn't. And yeah, it's it is very strange. I, I don't it's the whole Finn Balor WWE run has been bizarre on all levels. You think he'd be a weekly presence on that show, main eventing it and being in the mix? And I mean, because that's why I thought they moved him there, right? But it hasn't been the case. He's like a ghost. Like he, like you said, you forget that he's there. You know, the Ilya Dragunov match like had no build. It had Finn Balor came on TV one week. And talked shit about Ilya Dragunov while he watched film. And that was that. And that was that. And then he disappears again. And it's like Gargano is on the show every week. And he rest, and he wrestled this week. And then, you know, cut a little promo in the post. But, but Balor's never there. And, you know, on paper, he's the biggest star. And they're losing a ratings war. I don't understand. It's really weird. It is pretty strange, but yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be fun. <laughs> Two good wrestlers. We'll, we'll see how it it's goes. A lot of matches. How long is this fucking? This show? is this six match. six matches, which is long for a, for a takeover usually. We're not so going know. two hours, neat and tidy anymore. I those don't days know. Yeah, those days are, are are very long gone for sure. Um, this is a match that's very bizarre. Uh, Rhea Ripley defending the NXT Women's Championship against Bianca Belair, even though she's <laughs> challenging Charlotte Flair. For WrestleMania, so the build is basically Bianca saying like, "Hey, uh, I still exist," and Rhea Ripley being like, "Oh yeah, 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 no, no, you exist, you exist. I care about you." But um, one of the few good things on TV this week was Belair laying out Ripley because she was like an afterthought last week. Right? She helped her. She helped Rhea Ripley take out Charlotte, which is like that's how you're building this match. But yeah, they they needed badly, badly, badly for for a little bit of buzz going on with this match. Yeah. So she laid out Rhea Ripley this week, which is hard. Like Rhea Ripley doesn't get laid out a lot, so I thought that was effective. It was it was one of the most it was probably the most effective thing on the show this week. And uh, but yeah, it is weird because you know, you know Ripley. I mean, she could lose, and then it could they, they could just move her up. Um, but I don't think that's the likely scenario. I think the likely scenario is she just wins. Um, but it wouldn't stun me if she lost. I mean, because you could still. There's well, plenty no, of time. Charlotte, no, I don't. Can you do that though? Because Charlotte won the. Charlotte's not the. She's 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 trying to you know go for a championship. You're right. The build's so, been weird. The build has been Rhea saying, "Hey, <laughs> come after me." Charlotte being like, eh, "I don't know." So that's kind of that. The reason the build has been very fucking weird. That's why. But yeah. no, Rhea has to win this because Charlotte needs to challenge for the title. So Rhea can't go to the main roster. How about Charlotte showing up and only adding 7,000 viewers? How about that? Every other main roster person who who has moved the numbers, whether it was AJ Styles or the Survivor Series stuff, right? Charlotte shows up, 7,000 viewers. Honestly, how could you care that much about Charlotte anymore? That's barely outside the margin of error, though. Yeah, I I don't mean to be, like, mean about it or whatever, because she's still, you know, whatever. But, like, you know, she's, like, a nine-time women's champion. She's been around, like, how could you possibly care that much anymore? About Charlotte Flair, like to turn the channel to watch her challenge re rip. Like, I don't know. Like, does it? I think that's what they were expecting, though. I think so, too. But I don't know. I mean, 
didn't work out. Um, I don't know. I just I thought that was very when the when the ratings came out last week and they basically both shows did the same numbers they did the week before. I was like, I I can't wait to see Charlotte's quarter hour because she obviously didn't make a difference on the overall number, but maybe she popped a big quarter. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And then and then people just turned it off. I mean, I I, I thought she would have. I would have assumed she would have, but I guess we now know that you no know, people don't really care about her. I guess not in that scenario. They didn't. That was that was a uh, little bit surprising to me. So. But, but yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of it from that angle. Rhea Ripley kind of has to be the champion yeah, for that oh, match to happen. I mean, yeah, she's going to destroy Belair. So, so oh, I'm about destroy. I mean, well, shit, not destroy, she, she but like, you know, her. beat her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, at least they, you know, I think the match is a little more interesting now. I think because it was a good angle this week. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I had kind of talked myself into uh, Bianca maybe winning. But you just talked me out of it because I, I forgot about that whole. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, the whole premise of the setup is she has to be the champion. Uh, and then the main event is uh, we mentioned it before uh, NXT Championship. Adam Cole defending against Ciampa. Uh, I imagine that Cole still wins this match. Are you are you with me on that? I I don't think Ciampa's ready for it right now. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I I don't I don't have a feel for Ciampa winning it here. Unless Heyman finally talked his way into getting Cole on Raw. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that could be it. And then you can do, you know, like uh, Balor can beat Gargano, and then you could set up Balor, Tommaso Ciampa as your next big program. Uh, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't feel like Undisputed Era is leaving NXT. You would have a, feel, you know what I mean? Like you would have a, a, a sort of a feel for it. And I yeah. don't. Like I, I they don't, they very rarely just does somebody just go, you, you know, somebody it's just obvious, you know, this guy, they lose and they go, they move and they, they just move up. Like you feel it now, you know it now when people are going to leave. And I'm not getting that with this build. I'm not getting that with, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that is the case that like Cole loses and he moves up or whatever. Then they've done a bad job of making you feel like this is the end of, of, of the era for the undisputed era. Because yeah. right now they still well, the feel like they're on top. Like they feel like they're dominant on top as they've been for a while. And they just started a Roderick Strong Velveteen Dream Feud. Right. So that wouldn't make a ton of sense. They're Unless, wrestling like you're saying, Cole just is the only one that goes up, and then the other guys just hang around doing. That's possible, I guess, too. But um, I don't have a feel I mean, for Cole moving do? up either. Do, do you really feel that either? I like. There's been nothing in the build that sort of indicated that like this was it for him. Like I, I would have done then if you're going to do that. Like do it where Champa says, you know, I want your title and I want you out of this company or whatever. You know, I want you out of NXT. Like that's the way I probably would have phrased it, as opposed to just like a random, ta- uh, you know, random title match. I don't know. Yeah, but see. Cole's whole vibe is he's this guy that has the rest of his gym class bullies hanging out with him, shoving people into lockers. You can't just move him up. Oh, I agree. No, no, no. I think that would be a terrible idea, but I mean, (laughs) it is this company. So, you know, he's like the, he's like the captain of the football team and the other three guys are his, you know, his goons. And it kind of, it's not the same if he's by himself, you know? So that would be a huge mistake to me. And I think, you know, and Paul Heyman's the one who really loves him and loves the act. And he's smart enough to understand that, you know, I think, and if someone said, Hey, well, we can give you Cole, but we got to keep the other three. I, I think he would not want that, you know, cause that's just an unfair, that's not getting the Adam Cole that he wants. So then why even bother? 
So I don't, I don't know. I just the bottom line is I don't get the sense that they're going anywhere yet. So if that's the case, why would he lose? Unless you're doing like three of these matches, which you know that they do in NXT. Um, you know, so maybe he loses and wins it back, or who I don't know. But I, I just Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know. I, I'm sure the match will be good, but. I'm having a hard time getting into that guy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not loving it either. So uh, a lot of the other stuff, I, I think it'll still be a pretty decent match. But but yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like five out of the six, I'm 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 pretty into. And, and, and even Keith Lee, uh, Dajakovic, you know, I said I don't love it as much as other people. But I still think it'll be a solid match. I still like what they do. I just don't think it's like world changing like some other people think, you, you know. Um, yeah, me. Right. Barry yeah. and me. <laughs> I'm kind of very. No, more. Yeah, you and Dave. Yeah, you and Dave think these are like the fucking second coming of wrestling. And I, I don't know. They're fine. I was there live. I went to an Evolve show and these guys had a match. It was fun, but, you know, cool. You know, <laughs> Donovan, Donovan does a fucking flip over the top rope. Cool. Like, I don't know. I don't remember the Evolve match. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you loved everything they did. You watched everything they did, Joe. You forgot that. Yeah. I don't remember the Evolve one. Uh, I got the number. What was the Evolve number here? Well, um, that's not going to help me. You're going to be like, yeah, it was Evolve 73. And I'm going to be like, oh, well, shit, that rings a bell. Of course, Evolve 73. Who could forget? I believe it was Evolve 81, I mean, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so I mean, who knows if I even saw it? I may not have even. You seen may not it. have. Yeah, go go eh, if you want to. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to. I don't know why I'm saying go back and check it out. You're absolutely never going to go check that. No, out. I'm never going to do that. No, that's not going to happen. It's <laughs> uh, fair. I'm going to see them this Sunday. You know? Right. There's I, no need to go back to evolve. I just, what did I just see? saw them wrestle three times. On, yeah, I just saw them wrestle three times on NXT, and I'm going to see them this Sunday. I don't think I'm going to revisit that evolve match from uh, Evolve 81, but. Um, Oh, that's not even the right one. That's a that's one that happened in Queens Evolve eighty one. So I don't know what I. Hmm. Oh, I'll have to search this match that I saw. What oh, you're talking about, sir? <laughs> that's they had a bunch of matches. Yes, they did. Uh, all right. Um, real quickly before we get into our final topic of the day, I did want to uh, touch on this a little bit. Uh, did you check out any XFL action, Joe, this weekend? I did. Okay, what'd you think of uh, of Alpha Entertainment's XFL? <laughs> That's not it was, to, uh, in any way to WWE. No, none at all. Uh, doesn't affect their business at all. Um, this is good, solid football. I'm not a huge fan of all of the rules. Um, but it was much... I mean, the first XFL was very clearly bad football. And I think that's why the ratings dropped so badly between weeks two and three. This was good, solid football, but the ratings are starting at a much lower point. You know, XFL one opened up with 14 million viewers. This opened up with 3.3 million viewers. Yeah. Um, but you know, by week three, nobody was watching XFL one. Um, actually, probably about the same amount of people that are watching this version were, were watching by that point. Right, right. But, and it was seen as such a more, bigger disaster because they had the high number, and people were like, "Oh, this is a thing. This matters. This yeah. is." And and the hype. I mean, the hype was ridiculous for that at first XFL. If you didn't live through that. Like it was, yeah. you couldn't go one second of WWE television without an XFL reference. You couldn't, yeah. th- there was commercials everywhere. They were, I remember like all my friends had, because t- they were just giving t-shirts away. They were giving fly- flyers away. We, we had XFL footballs everywhere. Like it was nuts, man. They went full on assault for it and it worked because 14 million people watched it for like a half of a game and then realized, oh, this is really bad football. This is a really stupid sports league. And then they all bounced. Like, yeah, by, by really, honestly, even that, I think it was like, you know, because they had that, what, Saturday night in primetime was their first uh, uh, game. By like Sunday, things were already starting to kind of look shaky. And then like you said, by week three, they had pretty much siphoned off like 75% of their audience and they never came back. 
ever. And they were canceled. Right. And then so, they, were, and they were gone. So this was well played football. Yeah. This was you just know, a standard sports league. It wasn't a stupid thing. Yeah. The original XFL was dumb as fuck. I mean, you go watch well, it. On top, of, on top of being bad football, it was super gimmicky. Right. You know. It was, look at our hot cheerleaders. They have breasts, and you can see them, yeah. and we're backstage, and we have, you know, Jesse Ventura, you know, calling out the coaches and calling them idiots or whatever. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, the, the coin flip was one player from each team chasing a loose ball to try to recover a fumble. <laughs> and, tear, and fucking tearing their ACL every single time. I think something like I think something like 60% of guys that participated in that, like, blew out their knee in that, like... Well, I don't know about that, but I know the very first coin flip, a guy uh, hurt his shoulder and was out for the season. Yeah. You know, chasing the ball down. So um, there were a lot of injuries on that. It's just gimmicky, and and then the football product was bad, too. This just, you know, Vince learned from that mistake, and he hired good people. He He hired hired, football guys, yeah. Yeah, he hired Oliver Luck, and he hired Basil DeVito. (laughs) You're like, hey, Basil, Basil, go be the football guy. And he's like, okay. I don't know anything about football, but sure. Yeah, you know, Oliver Luck is well-respected. He hired Dean Blandino to handle the officiating, and he he used to be the head of NFL officiating. And these are good, solid football people who are respected in the football world, and they're not going to let things be zany. And he doesn't want things to be zany because that didn't work. It's part of the reason it didn't work the first time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and and the the quality of play was was fine. You know, it it looked like – you know, solid. So that that won't be why it doesn't work if it doesn't work. Uh, I think you know a lot of people said the three point three million was a good number and a good sign. I don't know because I think naturally, even though it was pretty good football, you're going to have a drop off this week. Yeah, three point three million. I don't. I, I kind of disagree. I don't think that's a very encouraging sign. I think it's a so-so number. I don't think it was a disaster, but I don't think it's some great starting point either. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because he's got three years worth of money to lose, and he's going to lose the money for three years, and then he's going to try to get a television deal at the end of the third year. So it really only matters where the numbers are at the end of that third year and what the lay of the land is with television right fees at that time. Right. So if there's a network or a number of networks who are looking for some content at that time, if the timing is right, It'll survive beyond the three years, um, you know, and then we'll see what kind of a deal they can if they do get a deal, if it's enough to make up for the losses of the first three years, because if he gets offered a deal, but he's not going to make his 300 million back that he just lost then he might not take the deal and he might just close it up. Right. There's no point in it then. Yeah. If you're, if you're not going to recoup that money, then yeah, he, he doesn't. Yeah. This league doesn't exist because Vince McMahon wants a football league and, and, and thinks that football needs to have a secondary league or whatever. He's doing it to cash in on a big TV deal. Is yeah. So he's not going to say a deal that makes him cut, you know, go even and say, ah, you know what? Great, great. We can have a few more seasons of this football league, you know, and we'll 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 just make it enough and, and we'll just get enough money to to recoup our losses. No, he's he wants a big fucking chunk of money. He's yeah, he, wants a, he wants a five hundred million dollar television deal like his, like his wrestling gets. Right, right. That's the end game here. That's what he wants. So, you know, and, and he's. You know, people who think it's going to fold up halfway through the season like the, the other league did or at the end of this season. No, he's they're budgeted to lose money for three years. Right. That and league then, never had money. That, that was kind of the issue is like the AAF or whatever looked like it had good backing. But as things kind of went on, it was like, wait a minute. Nobody has any money. Like, who has the money in this league? And it was like everybody looking around like, well, I thought you had the money. And like, you know, they, they, yeah. they literally couldn't make payroll and they needed like the what was it? Tampa Lightning guy come in 
to buy it and he essentially just wanted to buy like the app that they were building it was a disaster but it was like they found out like week five that none of the owners actually had the money that they said they had so when it was like all right time to pay everybody everybody was just like oh uh yeah we don't really have money so we're hoping this made money and it's like no it's not how it was gonna work guys so so that's where like there's not that same like this is a little different this is not necessarily like you said vince knows he's losing money here yeah, and unless it's like an abject failure, if by week, by honestly, the only thing I could see is like, and I have said this as well. I think they're going to survive the first year, and I think they'll survive. I, I think they'll go into a second year as well. I really do, unless it's like a such an abject failure that he's just like losing so much goddamn money, and all these guys are like, you know, your Oliver Lux of the world, and these guys realize that this is a sinking ship, and they're going to get out of there. That might lead to it going away, but I think everybody knows that they're in for the three years, and. The goal is, let's see what happens after those three years, and if we don't get that big TV deal, then we're done. Yeah, I mean, it really has to fall off a cliff to not last the three years. If they're doing 700,000 viewers on Fox in prime time, well, you know, at that right, point... you lose all your ad rates, you lose all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be the TV stations that might dictate that. More well, than yeah, anything. because they're, they're getting free content now because they're not paying for it. Right. They're, they're, they're airing games that are doing three million viewers, and they're not paying a dime for them. So it's like... You know, it's very advantageous to them. But um, as if the league starts doing numbers that are below something else that the networks could be putting on, then that's when they start to be in trouble. Yeah, or the ad buys go away. Because that's what happened with the original XFL, too, is like, you know, after the third week, like all the big time advertisers they had were like, oh, we're done. <laughs> like, we're out of here. Bye bye. And they yeah. were left with, you know, the shit that, you know, your, your JVC and your lugs, boot and shoes attitude and that sort of shit that you were going on with. And that would that would be the only thing is if Fox is staring at like an ad package that's like well below what they would get just throwing on whatever the fuck, you know, yep. on, on Saturday, then they'll say, no, this thing, the, you know, you guys can go to FS1 or FS2 or whatever and knock yourself out. And that might be then when 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 those guys say, OK, this is what are we really doing here? Why is this even, you know, worth it? Yeah. But. That would that that's like a doomsday sort of scenario, and I don't I don't think we're gonna get to that point. I really don't. But you're you're kind of right too that the three point three isn't necessarily like jumping for joy. It's a good number, but you're gonna Some siphon off. Are, yeah, you're gonna I've siphon seen, a lot of that off. Really, you're gonna quickly. lose a lot of that. Everything comes out stronger than where it settles, and it's like I've seen people say that that's a, oh that's a great success, but I I don't know. I think it's a middling number. I yeah, I can't, I can't imagine it grows either. And that, that's the thing is like you're gonna get you know yeah. March Madness is coming up in a little bit. NFL free agency is coming up in a little bit. NBA playoffs are coming up in a little bit. Like all these sort of things are on the horizon here. And it's like yeah you you right now you're fine. Like nothing else is on the, the, these February weekends. Yeah. Nothing is on at all. Baseball is about to start. You know pretty soon. NFL free agency is a big deal. March Madness is huge. I mean, there's going to be other things. The weather's going to start getting nicer across the world. Like, you know, that's, that's, I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think they settle probably 1.5, 1 million maybe. But the three, I, they're not keeping 3 million people every single week. I don't think, no, I don't think so either. And I, I don't know if they'll lose them immediately because the quality of play was okay. Um, and, you know, I did pay attention to the, uh, like Fox is clearly behind it because all of their, you know, fake argument shows on FS1 during the week were all did segments on it. So you know, it helps to have these television partners behind it. Absolutely. Oh, ESPN led off Sports Center with, oh, we're talking XFL or whatever. And I was like, whoa, yeah. I'm like it was, it was surprising. And that that's the one thing I will say versus the first league. The first time the league came out, everybody was just like, this shit sucks. Like, even the sports networks were like, we need to, we need to let people know that this is garbage. Like, we can't. Like, the joke that it was. Right, is- right. Whereas this, they're not. And that, it, 
part of it is because they have buy-in, and that's always been a, an issue with ESPN, is that, you know, they're both kind of sports, quote-unquote, journalists, but then also have, you know, sports properties on their networks or whatever. But What yeah. do you mean, Rich? Are you telling me the increased coverage in UFC is because they just figured out that UFC exists? <laughs> right. Is that what you mean? Are you telling me these Conor McGregor puff pieces they've been running for the last few weeks are, like... <laughs> You know, oh my God! Did you any of those kind of McGregor things? Like, not a, not even a second of a mention of anything. It's just uh, here's this guy from Ireland, and man, what a fighter this guy is! Like, you and, couldn't get a UFC highlight on Sports Center until they knew that the TV deals were coming up, yeah. right? So they, and then when they secured the deal, now it's you know, you get more UFC coverage on ESPN than you get Major League Baseball or NHL hockey. You really do. They got rid of all their baseball people. They have one hockey guy that works for the entire Barry Melrose. <laughs> Poor Barry Melrose. They're like, Barry, talk about the coyotes. And he's like, I don't what do you want me to say? <laughs> like, just, when Barry Melrose has a day off, they just don't do hockey on ESPN. Right? You, you know, it's like and they don't have they they canceled baseball tonight. They're, they 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 bought licensing rights to MLB network shows to air on ESPN because they don't produce MLB shows. Oh, that's shows right. The Intentional Talk or whatever's on there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't have a baseball stand anymore. All their people work for MLB now. It's just <laughs> – but all of a sudden, they're like – it's it's like wall-to-wall UFC coverage. Yeah, Ariel Hawani's like the lead guy on – hey, good for him, but yeah. It's, it, it just it, speaks it. to your point. I mean, when they have buy-in on something, they're going to talk about it. And, you know, if the, if the game – but that's the thing. If the quality of play – wasn't good or isn't good moving forward they're not going to totally these networks aren't going to totally compromise their their uh you know their reputations to continue covering it hardcore i mean right, it's quality yeah. of play they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna pretend cardell jones is like this incredible quarterback if like every single week he's he's not you know right they're not going to give sports center real estate prime sports center real estate to a product that stinks that nobody is watching on top of that as well you come out with 3.3 million people Fox can convince Colin Coward to spend two segments of his radio show on it. But if the, if, if the games are doing 900,000 viewers, Colin Coward's going to go, fuck you. I'm not, I'm not sinking my radio show to try to, you know, prop up this failing league. You know, now 3.3 million people are watching, then he knows there's interest. Mm-hmm. Same thing with ESPN. You know, you're not going to lead off sports center with something that did 900,000 viewers. You know, now if it's the middle of February and it did 3.3 million viewers, okay. Now, you know, so they've got to maintain viewers. They have to maintain quality of play or even the networks that have buy-in are going to stop covering it. So that that's important, too. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think they're going to lose all their viewers between week one and week two like XFL one did uh, because it wasn't exposed as a joke like XFL one was. But I think slowly they'll lose them, like you said, probably settle in about a million and a half, you know, uh, for the big games. And maybe a little less for the ones that aren't on Fox proper or aren't on ESPN. Uh, maybe a little bit less is eventually where I think they'll probably settle. If they, you know, if they maintain three million, which I don't see happening, I mean, I guess that would be great news for them. Absolutely, yeah. And like you said, the play was was you know okay. Like it's not something that I'm gonna you know go out of my way to check out. I guess it didn't come off as a farce at all. It no, came no, off it, as, was, it was good. You know, decent football and, and football. And what they were doing, which was cool too, and, and instead of you know XFL one, like we said, it was all about like look at the tits on that girl, or you know like that's what it was. Like, it was just trash. It was just absolute yeah. trash TV. But this year it was like you know this XFL was more about like hey this guy was in a training camp or hey this guy was at, like they made sure to let you know that every single one of the guys that they highlighted it was. Hey, this guy played for the Steelers for, you know, in 2016. Hey, this guy was in training camp this last spring. 
hey, this, just to let you know that it's not like guys off the street. Because that's they, they kind of yeah. did that with the first XFL. It was like, hey, this guy was bagging groceries and now he's playing football. And like, you know, that story works. Like the rags to riches story works. That's kind of I think what Vince McMahon thought would be like people would buy into like, hey, Tommy Maddox was just like you know cleaning cars you know a week before this and now he's playing football. Like you know that's kind of a good story to tell in like wrestling or whatever. But in football, people want like credential. They want top athletes. They don't want guy bagging groceries type thing. You know, at the time, I guess he was Warner yeah. Mania. I guess it was it was the ride. It was like the big Kurt Warner thing. So I guess that was kind of the narrative and the story going on uh, at those times too. But I thought it yeah, was yeah, but pretty... he won the fucking exactly. He right? won the fucking <laughs> right. He wasn't you know fumbling the ball every time he touched it like you know these guys were. So yeah, the, the story works a little bit better yeah. when you're holding the fucking Vince Lombardi Trophy as opposed to you know playing for the you know new <laughs> Chicago fucking enforcers or whatever. But yeah, yeah there's I, a rags to riches aspect when you get the riches. <laughs> right, it's yeah, as opposed to rags to rags. Yeah, rags to rags. Yeah. But no, I thought they were they 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 were very calculated in that. Like the guys that they highlighted were all like you know big time college guys that you that most people probably remember, and the guys they you know, highlighted throughout the game were like, Hey, this, it was always like, Hey, this guy played in this league and this guy was here and he was in this camp or whatever. So I thought that was a pretty smart way to do it. And there were some, some interesting aspects to it. Like, like XFL one, like I, I, you know, the kickoff rule, everybody kind of talked about, it's a little hokey and I don't know if it's going to really, you know, find its way to the NFL, but uh, some of the, the, the really cool stuff is, you know, always hearing what the, you know, the uh, coaches are saying. I thought that was kind of cool. You know? Yeah. You don't yeah. know what they're saying, but it's kind of cool to think that you're just always in it. You know, if, if people that didn't watch, like, you just heard the coaches the entire time calling his plays, which was was fun. And this, the pace of the game was really good, too, because everybody could kind of like all the players could hear every single call. So you didn't need a huddle. You didn't need like a wide receiver to say, hey, what are we running? Like everybody could hear everything. And I thought that was kind of cool, too. That, that oh, all have mics and helmet. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's how they were able to kind of speed it up. And that's why the play. Call OK, was. so it's not. So everyone has the, the earpiece and the helmet for the play calls. I think so. I don't know if everybody has it, but a lot of people have it. Gotcha. Type thing. It's something like that. that. That's that's why the huddles are only like twenty seconds or whatever because it's like they don't need to. Um, and there's like constant communication too between the, the coaches and the players and all that sort of stuff, which which definitely helps. And then the, the review stuff was kind of cool as well. So there's like little stuff that they're gonna, you know, if they ultimately fail, I'm sure the NFL will pick up. Like the, oh, the, the NFL is absolutely gonna copy some of this stuff. The the, the reviews where you can hear the review of you can see and hear the review official talking his way through the review. Is something that the NFL absolutely should do. It would, it would I would honestly watch more NFL because the part that I hate the most is like, you know, a cut to the referee sitting there listening to his headset. Yeah. The cut to guy in room surrounded by TVs going, well, I think they're going to, you know, senior official blank blank or whatever, you know, former senior official. And he's like, well, uh, you can see that his foot hit here, right here. So I think this is going to be incomplete. And then, you know, referee puts his headset down and goes, the pass is complete. And they go, well, okay. <laughs> like that's, that's basically how it is every single time. And and it's so boring. It was like, it takes like seven minutes and all you're seeing is like a guy look at a headset and then some dork in a room filled with TVs talk about what the call is going to be. And then the call is always wrong. So see, I, I think the rules officials, do a good job in the NFL games. I think the problem is it's it's just better and smarter to just hear the guy who's making the decision as opposed to the rules official. Right. That is hired by the network. To guess what the decision's gonna be. Like it's no it's right. not a guy saying, I think they're gonna do this. It's like literally the guy saying, Hey, the play is complete and then the referee goes And here's complete. why. And yeah. he was describing why. Yeah. You just cut out that middleman doing the guesswork and just let us hear the guy and that's what they do. And I think that is actually pretty smart. Um, I don't know if the NFL wants to provide that level of uh, of, of transparency um, with that process, but I do think 
get like for the reasons you just said, it's a better experience for the viewer. Um, you know, and there are some other little things that fell stole things the first time around. You know, that overhead camera came from the XFL. That's the most famous example. Yeah. Um, buddy, you know, so yeah, and they'll steal things here too. There's no question. You know, the ideas that they think are good. Um, you know, so the NFL welcomes this. This is no threat to the NFL, oh, okay. and oh, yeah. you know, it's just and they welcome this these kind of leagues. You know, it, because you know it, it's it, these leagues are doing the rule experimentation for them, and it's player development for them. You know, there will be players to come out of these leagues who end up either back in the NFL or getting or or, or, or into the NFL. You know, Marquette King, that punter. I mean, he looked phenomenal. I don't know if you watched that game. But, you know, he was an all-pro punter, and he just found his way out of the league, and he yeah, was just yeah. he was crushing the ball. Oh, I mean, great, yeah. I'd be stunned if he – I mean, you know, he'll be back in the NFL, and, and some of these quarterbacks will get another chance. All these quarterbacks are former NFL guys. They're just second- and third-stringers. You know, Landry Jones and Cardell Jones, and some of these guys have started games. Yeah, except for that's that a great guy. stat, Cardell. I don't, I don't know what that Seattle guy was doing. <laughs> what was his face like? Was it know, Brandon Silvers it or whatever? And they're like, he was at Troy. He had a one and one record. I'm like, oh no! Like, he had a one and one record at Troy. That's well, you know, you know, Seattle, according to Vegas, is the worst team in the league, and that's probably why. Yeah, it's it's so, like everybody else is like Aaron Murray. It's like he remember him. He was okay. Like he was not good on that night. But yeah, Cardell Jones. Yeah, like all these guys were. Like, and then it was like Brandon Silvers. He uh, he was at Troy, and he won a game against LSU while he was at Troy, and. Then he lost a game at Troy, and then that's all he played at Troy. I'm like, oh man, you only got two games at Troy, like, and he was bad. He was particularly terrible. Yeah, so. that was that. So that was the XFL. We I thought it. You know, it's it, it's wrestling adjacent. We have to talk about it. So, yeah, we'll probably never talk about it again. No, that's but, probably it. That's probably uh, all yeah, like, <laughs> until it fails or, or you know, Vince is broke. So that's that sports heavy episode here, uh, Voice Wrestling Flagship. So, Joe, we only have uh, we had about fifteen minutes to go, and I don't know. I've got an inkling that we're going to do something here. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. <laughs> yes, no, uh, I legitimately almost forgot. Uh, Rich, are you uh, ready to go bouncing around Japan? And we will start with Dragon Gate. Where there was a uh, huge uh, open the Dreamgate title match, which I did not see. Captain Krage uh, did see the match, and also a rebranding of sorts. Rich, what's going on in Dragon Gate? Yeah, so we'll start off first with this uh, rebranding. This is something that came up a few months ago that they were doing this. They got the new logo, and they they said they were going to, you know, move over to a new company. Well, now everything is official. This comes from uh, uh, Open the Voice Gate, which is, of course, the uh, Dragon Gate focused. Uh, podcast here on the Voice Wrestling flagship uh, or Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, I should say. Uh, they, they had the news here and, and translated as well. Uh, Dragon Gate says here, quote, this change symbolizes the beginning of a new chapter for Dragon Gate. So now Dragon Gate, one word, lowercase g. I don't love it. What do you think? Dragon Gate, one word. Well, I never like any rebrandings. Uh, I'm a traditionalist. I hate when things get rebranded. Uh, but then after a few months, like anything else, you get used to it. Um, I kind of got used to the pro wrestling Noah thing. I, you know, obviously I still wish they had the green ring and I guess I'm just gonna have to get used to this, but I don't like, like you, I think it's a little, I don't like the spelling. Yeah. All one word. It sucks. I like the dragon. It just looks so powerful with the D and the G and, you know, calling it DG. Like 
Yeah, this is gonna be one of those it'll always be Dragon Space Gate for me thing. I, I don't think I'm buying it ever. I'm just gonna continue using Dragon Gate until, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know if I can do this change, so. Well, what's the logo look like? Uh, it's that logo, it's like a, so it, it's like a crest kind of thing. It's like a shield. You've probably seen it. They have it on their mats and stuff now. You've, you've probably seen it as well. It's got the, yeah. the Toriumon, like, you know, whatever the hell on, on, on the logo on like this, you know, fiery dragon or whatever. It's a cool logo. It's just, it's not Dragon Gate, you know what I mean? It's just not the same. Yeah. It's just different. I'm too old I, to, I'm, I, I've reached your stage, Joe. I'm too old to change things. Yeah, I just, I don't so like so long. You know, I've done things too long yeah. the way they've been. I'm not changing anymore, so. I'm very resistant to change. Hey, hey, look, you're probably going to get used to it. Um, you know, it's, it's, but we were cranky when Noah changed. So you know, we're going to be cranky about this too. So uh, I didn't see the match. Uh, tell oh, us about. I do want to say there's a reason though for this change, Joe. Okay, what's the reason? Do you buy another change here? It says, "Quote: Dragon Gate is written in Roman alphabet lettering to symbolize our resolve to strengthen and expand into a promotion that performs on the global stage." I don't care about it. <laughs> okay, just say you're just, just say you're changing it. Fucking just say you're changing it. But uh, anyway. Of- uh, open the Dreamgate title match, Naruki Doi versus KZ. KZ uh, continues his, his February streak. Last year was against Pac in, in a match that did incredibly well uh, in our match of the year uh, last year. Uh, Doi versus KZ, not the same level as that, not the same level as KZ versus Pac, not even the same level. I think it was KZ and Mochizuki was two years ago, but really, really good match here. Doi uh, is, is, of course, the Dreamgate champion. Doesn't really feel like he's ever really truly on the ropes, but there are a few moments where you're kind of like, ah, maybe, maybe KZ's going to do it. But I will say a match that, that definitely go in, I, I went, I think, four and a quarter on it. Not necessarily like a match of the year contender. Not a match that I think you need to like drop everything and go see. But if you're, you're curious about Dragon Gate, if you're kind of curious on what's going on and, and want to check in, I think it's a match that you should check out. And it's only 24 minutes, too, so it's a pretty nice and compact 24 minutes. And I think some really good action. Doi is looking great right now. Uh, he's yeah, obviously the champion and, and, and feels like a star right now. And, and KZ, it's like, you know, that crowd, you know, especially that crowd in, 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 in Cork and Hall really rallies behind KZ, especially this time of year, because it seems like no matter what in February, like I said, he, he's getting his title shots and he's getting opportunities. So a, a fun match to check out, a fun match to watch. Not one that's going to really, you know, I, I, I think literally ever enter like a match of the year category or really enter like you know anything that you're going to really really remember you know at the end of the year but a match that i thought was was really solid uh, and definitely want to check out and i i will say this as well kind of part you know a part of this uh is the english commentary for dragon gate they are really ramping up you know their english commentary and it's larry dallas and and, and jay uh from uh you know dragon gate jay of course from you know the english translations for dragon gate he is really good Jay has, like, the first time he did commentary, you could tell it was literally the first time he'd probably done commentary, and it was a little weird, and he seemed a little uncomfortable, and he didn't quite know what he was able to do, but him and Larry, man, they have built a rapport in, like, record time, and they're pretty damn good. I mean, nobody knows more about Dragon Gate than Jay, and, and, and Larry Dallas, obviously, does a great job of getting you excited for the big spots, and, and talking about a little bit of background from the side of, like, a wrestler and the wrestler side or whatever, and Jay's in there to kind of tell you all about the history, all about the units, every big spot or whatever, so they, they, they do a really, really good Good job there, uh, and they're really ramping up English coverage. So if you're like a, a, a on the fringe fan and you need you know English commentary, Dragon Gate is giving that to you right now, and it's good good stuff. So I, I really highly recommend that if you have not listened uh, to the English commentary of uh, Dragon Gate, it opens up for me too because it's like you know a lot of times when I watch and, and I don't know about you, like I I'm fine watching Japanese commentary. I have no issue doing that, but when I watch an English commentary, it allows me to maybe 
go to the other room for a brief second or go do something else for a brief second. Whereas in Japanese commentary, I feel like I can't do that. You, you know, is that weird or do you kind of feel the same thing as well? I see what you're saying because at least you can hear what's going on. Right. I go to the other room to get something and I know that, like, I know what's happening. They're telling me, all right, KZ's, you know, on offense here. KZ does this. You know, KZ does a German. Like, I know that. Whereas, like, dude, I leave the room and I don't know what the hell's going on out there. Like, I could have I could have missed the biggest spot in the entire match. You know, I'll never, I'll right. never know. Whereas, you know, I, I, I feel less like I need to be watching every single second intently with, with, with English commentary, which helps me because it actually helps me kind of, you know, know that, hey, look, I can, I can bounce, come back, do a little thing. I can kind of watch this match not necessarily like super focused or whatever but also it, it, it helps me focus in a way too because it allows me just to know that like I don't have to sit here and watch every second and I'm going to miss something or I'm not going to really understand the moment or whatever so again I will say Jay and, and, and Larry Dallas are doing an incredible job so far uh, on English commentary so make sure you check that out if you get a chance I agree Larry Dallas has been very good I heard uh, one the first show that they called together and even though that was Jai's first attempt I thought they were a very good team uh, I'm sure they're getting better with each progressive show and Larry Dallas, you know, he's always, look, Larry can always self-destruct any moment. And it, and I'm glad that he hasn't, and I'm happy for him, and I'm glad he's doing well. And um, I think it's a, it's good that Dragon Gate now at least offers that for people because we know it's a barrier for a lot of fans. And um, and, and, and and it's good that they at least offer it, you know. And, and, and it also, it's helpful that it's good commentary. Yeah, I agree with you. They've been shockingly good um, as a commentary team. Uh, the two of them, Ray Dallas, even you know, working with uh, his previous partners, whether it was Lenny Leonard for one show, and I think well for more than one show, and uh, who did he work with the first time? It was uh, who went to Japan the first time with Larry? It was uh, uh, the guy who, who does. That? I, don't I think does MLW. Uh, oh, Rich Mokini, Rich Mokini, Rich Mokini, correct. So, uh, so Larry, you know, he's, he's a regular now. He's been on several tours at this point. They're really expanding it. But I will check out the match. I didn't have time to watch it yet. Uh, give people an idea. If it was on that Osaka show, uh, you rated the Kenta Naito match higher. Would it be the second, third, fourth best match in the show? Um, Where would you I'd probably put it just under Ryuli and, and, and Romo for me. So maybe the third from the top. Maybe my third favorite match from the Osaka match. So it, it really Not good. Not good. Not quite as good as the junior match. A little better than the Moxley Suzuki match. Yeah, that's exactly where I'd slot it. I think. Okay. All right. So uh, I'll check that out. Another big title match that took place this week. This was on the 11th on a uh, All Japan Corkin show, which aired in the United States like nine o'clock at night. Did you notice that? That was a real. I, yeah, I was like, so I was, I was like scrolling my phone and I see like live tweets from all Japan. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I, like, everybody could just rally behind and watch the same show at the same time or something like that, and then I realized, no, shit, this thing is on right now. This is pretty cool. So, uh, I, 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 you know, I was doing something else, but I was like, man, that would have been cool to, like, sit down and, and watch this with everybody. So, it just so rarely happens that way for all Japan. So, cool. This was the Miyahara Yuma Aoyagi uh, title match. Cork and Hall drew over 1,600 fans. So, uh, almost 1,700 in Cork and for this match. So the big angle they did where Aoyagi turned on Miyahara turned out to be a big success. And I've seen this match get some mixed reviews. I loved it. I thought it was a great match, right on par with any of Miyahara's other matches. Maybe not the best of his title defenses, but certainly not on the lower end either. I went four and a half on this. I really loved it. I thought Aoyagi, this is the best match of his career by far. And I don't think that's an accident considering who he was in the ring with. And um, I thought he looked like a star. I think that you could put Aoyagi right there with uh, with uh, with Lee and Nomura 
now as a guy who is a potential guy who can be the next guy. In fact, I'm ready to slot him a little ahead of Lee because I think I'm done with Lee as far as being um, you know, a potential top guy. I just don't think Lee has the charisma. I think Aoyagi held up his end of the bargain here. I think Miyahara, as usual, was just fucking phenomenal. I mean, this guy is so good. I mean, this was a match where there wasn't a single person in that building who could have realistically thought that Aoyagi was going to win. But because of Miyahara's work, uh, he th- th- these guys had the crowd in the palm of their hands. And that was not easy to do with a match like this where the winner is, you know, 100% certainty. And, uh, you know, he, he was uh, tremendous arm selling. Um, his offensive execution is so awesome and so good and so crisp. It's just a level above. And when I'm watching this match, I'm just thinking to myself, because I watched the whole show with the exception of two matches. I- I'm watching this Miyahara Aoyagi match, and it's just, I'm thinking, God, he is just so much better than everyone else in this company. And there's other wrestlers in this company that I like a lot. But Kento Miyahara is just so much better than everyone, and it's not even really talking down everyone else so much as talking up Miyahara. The way he just commands the ring, his crowd connection, his charisma, his swagger, uh, the way he uh, elevates every opponent that he wrestles. Because these great matches don't have matches anywhere close to as good as the matches they have with him. I mean, and this is just the latest example. Uh, his selling is at a level above everybody else in the company. Uh, he's just great, and he delivers every single time. Um, you know, I went four and a half on this match. I think it was better than the Jake Lee match from last month. I don't think it was quite as good as the Nomura match that I had in my top ten from last year. It wasn't as good as that one, but I thought it was a little better than the Jake Lee match, which I thought fell apart a little bit uh, towards the end. I think I went four and a quarter on that one. I think Aoyagi more than held up his end of the bargain. I love Aoyagi hitting his big move and then doing that cocky pose at the end. Uh, I, I love that little bit from Aoyagi. Miyahara's selling was on point. Um, the, the, the arm selling worked into the match because at times he could not hold hold on to the straight jacket, a German, because of the arm. So they did a good job maintaining that throughout. And uh, I got to be honest, the mixed reviews that I've seen have confused the hell out of me. I mean... I've seen people go as far as to say that Miyahara was lazy in this match. And these people out of their minds. Am I am I crazy, Razor? What is that? No, I, this I guy saw is like, yeah, no, I because so I, I, I the hardest wrestler in the world. Are these people fucking nuts? I don't know what's. I don't I, know what. Especially this match. I, I was I was so amazed I to see because I read I read your stuff and I read what a lot of people said about this match. I read the people that said ah, I didn't really like it, and then I read your, but you know what you thought about it, and I was like, all right. So I watched it today. I watched it a few hours before we went on recording. And I came away just like, holy fuck, this match ruled. Like, this was so awesome. Like, you know, I, I thought Kenta was great in this match. As you said, controlling the ring and making everybody believe, okay, there's no way AOI is going to win. But uh, maybe, <laughs> like, you know, at a certain point, you're like, ah, I don't know. Maybe because he's just like, yeah, he looks like a million bucks doing it. Like, I know people are like, oh, he, he didn't sell this long enough or he didn't sell that long enough or he didn't, you know. It's like, oh, I break. You know, the selling complaints are one thing. You know, that's more of a, you know, a like technical aspect. He never that. does that. He always just abandons whatever he's selling, right? Like, I feel like that's not different. That is, that is a problem for him sometimes, yeah. The thing is, I didn't think it was a problem for him in this match. I thought the arm selling was good here. He, I 
mean, right, that, right down to the closing stretch, he kept losing his grip on the straitjacket because of the arm. Right, so exactly. it's like Yeah, I don't that's know. where I didn't buy that. Because like a lot of times he sells his knee, and then the final five minutes, he's just throwing his knee at people's he's faces. He does and, that a lot. You're yeah, or right. he's doing a straitjacket journey with no you know problem whatsoever with his knee. And it's like, I get why people may be upset about that, but this was not this match. And, and Joe, what I came away with was like, Aoyagi, dude, like, that guy's fucking, he's the guy. You know, I don't, like, yeah. tell Jake Lee to hit the well, fucking look, bricks and never come back. Oh, Lee? Yeah, forget Jake Lee. Yeah, I, I'm done with Jake Lee. I'm done with Jake Lee. But here's the thing. Have you ever seen Aoyagi look this good? No, God no. Well, then why do you think that is? It's like, <laughs> no, I, no, I get it. But I'm like, you know, I don't know. Like, no, I know that you get it. I'm making, I know that you understand that, but I'm trying to make a larger point for the listeners because it's like, that's what people are missing here. I mean, this guy elevates everyone he works with. Why do you think Aoyagi looked like... Why do you think Aoyagi was elevated here? Because he was in there with a guy who elevates everyone he works with. I mean, come on, people. It's right in front of you. You know, I see people crediting Aoyagi with, with this match. You're like, oh, well, Aoyagi was great, but me a heart. Why do you think Aoyagi looks so good? He's in there with a guy who elevates everyone. I mean, come on. I mean, use your head. I mean, geez. And there's a reason this guy has never looked this good in his life. It's because he's in there with one of the greatest wrestlers in the world who knows how to elevate guys up to his level. I mean, he does it with Jake Lee all the time. Okay, when does Jake Lee ever look that good? Never. These guys always look their best with Miyahara. There's a reason for that, because this guy's one of the best wrestlers in the world. But, again, you want to complain about selling and things like that? Okay, reasonable minds can disagree on that. We all have our own tolerance levels. The complaint I don't understand is that he was lazy. I, this is like one of the hardest working wrestlers in the world, and there was nothing different about this match than any other match. Yeah, it was on the wall for 25 minutes. Like, where was it lazy? Absolutely. I mean, what you need to tell me what's lazy about the match if you think he was lazy because he worked just as hard as he always works, which is very fucking hard. Okay, uh, the last thing I would call Kento Miyahara is lazy. I just think he's, he's rich. these people are out of their fucking minds. This was a this was a great match. So uh, we appear to be on the same page about that. Moving forward, Aoyagi absolutely was elevated here, and he's fresh. He's younger than Jake Lee. To me, this needs to be about Aoyagi and Nomura moving forward. And I just don't think Jake Lee has the necessary charisma to be an ace or the top guy. And I think it's time to kind of move on from Jake Lee. Yeah, well, you can feel it in this moment. You can feel Aoyagi in this moment. Because it's like the thing that I I complain most about that Lee match, if you go back and listen, is like in the moments when when, when Miyahara was selling or on the ground or whatever, Jake Lee is just like, you know, in the ring, just like standing there. You know, yeah, just kind of doing nothing. Aoyagi's like hitting the ropes, tapping his chest, yelling at the crowd, doing his warrior pose. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, dude. Like that's the, the most important thing in wrestling is like what you do in between all the moves is so important in wrestling. And Jake Lee sits there like a fucking lump of shit. Just oh, here we go. It's like, dude, like get some fucking you know energy. Let's go. Like you're in a fucking you know world title match here. Let's go. Let's feel you know get it. Go get the guy in the ring. I talked about the the Lee you know Mirror Heart match where like Mirror Heart is sitting on the outside for five minutes and Jake Lee's just like you know, just sitting in the ring doing nothing it's like come on man let's go where Aoyagi's like he's on this guy every second of the day he's like I gotta this is my only opportunity to do this I gotta do whatever I can to beat this guy so he's kicking him he's punching him he's he's, he's, he's working on his arm he's doing it like I just thought Aoyagi did a great job of just like filling in every gap and understanding that I need to work my ass up. Like, the story of the match was Aoyagi just knowing that, like, I got to put 110% every second of this match or else I'm not going to win this. And I might not win it, but goddamn it, I'm going to try like hell to win this match. And, and and eventually he doesn't do it, and Catherine does put him away. But, like, yeah, it's like when you see this, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what it looks like to have charisma, to have, 
energy to have you know some 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 guts to you and and you grab the bull by the horns like that's what it felt like in this match so yeah, I was I came away very very impressed yeah yeah just a great match another great match for Miyahara it's uh you know it's basically a great match every time out so as far as the rest of the show did you see any of this uh, I did not see anything else no from this this show uh, Susumu Yokozuka uh, defended the junior title against Akira Francesco, the good Italian boy. You want to talk about a ring general performance? That was Yokozuka. I mean, I love this guy. I think he's one of the most underrated wrestlers of his generation. The, the way he paced this match and the way this match was laid out and uh, where and how the high spots came, you could just tell that this was Susumu leading the way and really reining in Akira, who has a ton of potential. Okay. But this was uh, probably the most focused match that I've seen Akira uh, Francesco in. And it, it, it's because he's in there with a, with a seasoned veteran, solid performer like Susumu Yokozuka. Uh, total ring general in this one. And, um, you know, uh, probably the second best match of the night. I know a lot of people like the All Asia Tag that I'll talk about briefly. But uh, this guy's greatness, the perfect opponent for a guy like Akira Francesco, who adapted, who is at this point of his career to work with. Uh, a seasoned veteran like that, who again, he he, this match exemplified all of Akira Francesco's positives, and it's because a guy like Yokozuka knows how to bring that out of a guy like that, and knows how to work a match like this. Highlight Fran- Francesco. So Yokozuka knows he's only in here for a short stretch. He'll lose this title eventually and go back to Dragon Gate. His job here was to get Akira Francesco over um, in his first title shot. And it was mission accomplished. This was such great work by Susumu, a guy that I love. And and I love the upside for Francesco. He's not ready right now. He, his body needs to fill out. He needs to gain more experience. But this was the kind of match that I'm not sure uh, many of the other juniors in all Japan could have given a guy like this. Uh, and Susumu Yokozuka was able to do that for him uh, in retaining the title. Uh, the tag team title match wasn't much. I mean, Violent Giants retained over Lucas Steele and Shigehiro Iri. Iri's a guy who is always better on paper than in reality, in my opinion. Lucas Steele is a guy who, you know, we'll give it some time. He looked great his first week in the company, but this had a run-in and, you know, it had a lot of heel shenanigans. Not what I want to see in an All-Japan match. And it was nothing special and easily skippable as Violent Giants retained the titles. And the All-Asia title match, the only other one I'll talk about, was uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto retaining over Black Mensal Ray and Takeo Omori. They worked this like a sprint, which was perfect. This was awesome. This was a really good, uh, you know, 10-minute sprint, which is what you want to do. Because if you try to work a longer, more traditional match, then the weaknesses of a guy like Black Mensal Ray are going to come through. Takeo Omori is 50 fucking years old and, and well <laughs> right. over the... So it's like they went in there and worked a sprint, and it was hot. It was a hot match. It was exciting. It got the crowd fired up. And it was really the perfect kind of match structure for the opponents uh, that they were working against here. So that was a hell of a match, too. This is a really good show. The four title matches, three of them delivered, uh, is just the World Tag Team title match, which was uh, which is a little bit underwhelming. I did not watch the opener with the J.R. Kratos debut, but I am going to go back and watch that because I want to see him in this setting. And uh, the only other thing I'll mention is Manabu Nakanishi worked this show. They had him in an eight-man tag in the mid-card, and then he did a little speech afterwards. So not really known for his All-Japan work. Not quite sure why he was there. But uh, they uh, they had Nakanishi come in, and he was on the winning side of an eight-man tag. Rich, uh, very quickly, champion Carnival. All of the usuals were booked for this thing. 
Uh, some notable people out of the tournament that were in it last year, Dylan James and Joe Doring, who are said or rumored to be out of the company entirely, are not part of the field. Yuji Okabayashi's not in it. Atsushi Aoki, who was a replacement last year, obviously passed away. He is not in it. Uh, Daishi Hashimoto, who's one of the worst Major League Pro wrestlers in the world. Thankfully, he is not in the tournament this year. And uh, Takashi Yoshida and Sam Adonis are out. Here's who's in. Kai, Ayato Yoshida, Lucas Steele, Shigehiro Iri, Hideyoshi Kamatani from Big Japan, Davey Boy Smith Jr., and Takashi Sugera. Rich to me. God, what an upgrade. That's a lot of those games. Jesus. Oh, my God, it is such an upgrade. I mean, I think all of these guys bring something to the table, all the new guys, to varying degrees. And I think, really, the only major losses from last year, and we'll leave Aoki Alice because he was a junior and, and, he, and he's dead, uh, are, are Okabayashi and Dylan James. Both had very good tournaments last year. The rest of the guys that are out are, were total non-entities. Joe Doring is old and breaking down and, for whatever reason, hasn't been the same wrestler over the last year or so. And the other three guys just stink. You've got six guys coming in who they might not all end up delivering at the end of the day, but I'd much rather see a young Ayato Yoshida get a oh, shot. Yeah, Kamatami is a guy that like, you know, a few years ago felt like he was on the cusp of being great. Like this would be a great opportunity for him to go. We I think we mentioned all Japan for him, like all those years ago too, saying like, man, if, you know, that'd be a great spot for him to, you know, really try it out and, and, and see what he can do over a you know a, a little bit of a run. So that'd be I'm excited for that. Fucking Segura. That sounds great. I get to lose oh, Daishi you know Hashimoto and I get like Segura? Are you kidding? Yeah, and you lose Uncle Bayashi, but Segura's a wash. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's fine. You lose one great guy and you, you put another great guy right back in. And, you know, I'm curious to see what Davy Boy Smith Jr. could do in this company. And, um, you know, so I think it's a far more interesting field. The only question mark is Nomura with the cervical spine, the neck injury. Uh, you know, we'll see if he can make it. You know, he's, he's sitting out this tour. It's a four to six week recovery time with no surgery, which is really cutting it close. So they may have to pull Nomura. And he, you know, was a guy who people thought could win. Rich, if they pull Nomura, you know what's going to happen, right? June. June Akiyama. <laughs> he's like, God damn it. Just when they thought he's I was got out. Like, he's got a cruise booked and stuff. He's ready to go. You know, he's wearing his Hawaiian shirt, his shorts or whatever. His wife's ready for him to get on the boat. And he's like, ah. It's the fucking Godfather. <laughs> I thought I was out. They pulled me back in. This is like six straight year. years where this guy has been like, ah. He tries like hell. No, here we go. Here's here's all these new guys, and they're all young, and they're all this, and like, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking true. So we'll see. And even if no more. I mean, he'll be good. It's fucking, it's great. It's Drew Nakayama still, so. But if even no more, it does work it, you got to question the injury and whether he should be working at number right, one. Right, right, right. And number two, how good is he going to be? And. Um, you know, it's a really, really bad timing for that kind of injury for Nomura on the cusp of a major push. And really, this carnival, uh, you know, was was looking to be a, an opportunity for him to really step up again to another level. But um, uh, but that's what's going on all Japan. And then quickly, finally, as we finish bouncing around Japan, we got the big Japan strong climb, Rich. It's, str- it's a strong climb year. Last year was the deathmatch tournament. This year is the strong climb. We tend to ignore the deathmatch tournament on this show. We're just not into it. But we do pay attention to the strong climb. Um, some interesting out- outsiders. Jake Lee from All Japan. Uh, Yuji Hino from Zero One. Quiet Storm landing on his feet hmm. after uh, his final Noah booking as he ends up. Uh, he's listed as a freelancer 
as part of the uh, Strong Climb. Kohei Sato from Zero One. Isami Kodaka. I don't know if you want to consider him an outsider. He works a lot of Big Japan anyway, but he's technically listed from Basara. We've got uh, Yoshiki Inamura from Noah and T-Hawk representing the Stronghearts. This is a damn good field for the Big Japan. Because you got all the usual Big Japan guys. Yuji Okabayashi and Daisuke Sakamoto and all the Takuya Nomura. So you've got all the usuals, but this is a good group of outsiders that they brought in this year. So the Strong Climb starts on March 3rd. Little strong field. Uh, Rich, I have one question for you. Uh, whose wife did T-Hawk fuck? Because when you look at his block, <laughs> and there's four blocks here, he's with, uh, uh, let's see, he's with Hayoto, a young wrestler, and then Ryuchi uh, Kawakami, who does nothing for me, Daishi Hashimoto, who's like one of the worst wrestlers on the planet. I mean, he's legitimately awful. And then Yoshiki Inamura, who's a young wrestler from Noah, but let's face it, he's not expected to go out there and tear it up uh, in, in his matches either. And then poor T-Hawk has to elevate this terrible block. I mean, this is by far the worst block, right? Maybe, maybe I mean, they just think so highly of him that they think he'll he'll. Because <laughs> you're thinking of who did he, whose wife did he fuck, but maybe they're like, you're the best wrestler in the world, so we need you to prop these guys up or something. I don't know. That's that's a tough task even for him. I mean, Daishi Hashimoto is, is an impossible case. Of He's fucking sucks. I mean, he really needs to retire. He's so bad. I can't believe it's 2020 and we're still doing the Daichi Hashimoto thing. I can't uh, you know, just, he's, he's, just, he's just not good. Uh, how long can you really be like, hey, my dad was good? <laughs> like, how long can we do this for? How about this big boy block? You see this C block? You got uh, you got Kamatani, who's yep. working carnival industry. But then listen to the rest of this block. Look, look at the, just picture the size of these men. These little fucking. You got Ryotahama, Yuji Okabayashi, <laughs> yes, yes, Yuji Hino, yes. and Quiet. Yes, look at that. The barrel chests are out in full force, man. Fuck yeah. That's, That's the grunt block. God, I love that. That's a hell of a block, man. I'm going to watch all those matches for sure. That sounds great. Kamatani might be dead by the end of the I was going to say, mean, yeah. Fuck. What yeah. a lineup. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That's a great. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, when you put that together, that unfortunately, that's why Tiago gets fucked because they saw all those guys and said, all right, here's what we're going to do. All those guys are going to be in the same block. And Tiago, sorry, you're going to be with these fucking turds. So. <laughs> They were never going to do it because they weren't going to put Okabayashi and Sekimoto in the same block. But if you swap out Sekimoto for Kamatani and put him in that block. Oh, it's just pure girth. Up- yeah, it's just girth. Boys. <laughs> Men. Yeah. So Sekimoto's in the B block with Kazuki Hashimoto, Kohei Sato, uh, Taishi Takazawa, and Asami Kodaka. That's a pretty good block. That's not bad. Yeah. You got Sekimoto Kodaka. And then the D block, you got Yuya Aoki, uh, Yasufume Nakanoe, Takuya Nomura, Kazumi Kakuta, Jake Lee. So obviously Takuka Nomura and Jake Lee are the headliners there with uh, the veteran Nakanoe and then a couple of younger wrestlers uh, uh, in the D block. That block's okay, but uh, yeah, to me, the B block one. and the C block. To me, the B block and the C block are the two most interesting blocks. And I think the A block by far is the worst block because T-Hawk just has nothing to work with in that block. Whereas Takuya Nomura, I mean, he'll just kick everybody's teeth and, and chest in. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to watch Jake Lee as well. Uh, right. Working the uh, work the big Japan guys, so I think the the A block is by far the worst. But uh, that's a pretty good feel for strong climb. Yeah, you know yeah, that's, that's I, I like that a lot. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the guys that come in and, and and the blocks I think are are put together pretty well. Like I can you could safely skip the entire A block pretty easily. Sorry, T Hawk, but I uh, could safely skip that. But yeah, you got the, the the girth block, the men block, and then yeah, like this. So that's not bad. There's some pretty fun, a lot of fun matches in my head that you're as you're reading off those names, and I'm thinking in my head going, hey, that that, that sounds like a lot of fun. So. I'll definitely keep one eye on that tournament. 
about the spring. So it sounds great. Bunch of matches there that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I want to see Sami Kodaka versus Sakamoto. The C block, I want to see all those guys wrestle each other. And, uh, you know, the D block, I'm curious about Takuya Nomura versus Jake Lee. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff. So, uh, Rich, we have bounced around the entire... Is, is it an empire? Is it a nation? Is it a country? What's the proper terminology for Japan? A country, I guess. Is this an empire? An empire? I don't think, they, empire I don't think they go by it's empire definitely. anymore. I believe they prefer country. Empire of Japan? No. Uh, what am I, whatever. Anyway, am I we're, we're out of time for everything. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, we are out of time for everything. So we have bounced around the entire wrestling world here. So anyway, VoicesWrestling.com, uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, uh, VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon as well. Just $5 gets you all the content we produce, including all the uh, retro shows, all the news updates, all the TV reviews, all that other good stuff. VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon. And then also uh, uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, not only the Voice Wrestling Flagship, but all the other great shows that we have on the network as well. And then, of course, our Discord, VoicesWrestling.com slash Discord to uh, discuss the world of wrestling uh, with us and... Uh, the other listeners as well. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.